Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Welcome back, ladies. It's another lovely Wednesday evening here on the interwebs. We had absolutely zero technical problems. Oh, none. That's a lie. That's none a whatsoever. Lie. You know, it's you kind of wonder, is there ever a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to these technical problems? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there is, and I think it's my house. Yeah? Because yesterday we had, it was pretty smooth sailing for those Patreon streams. You're right. I think I live in the opposite of the Bermuda Triangle where things just work sometimes. You know, it's pretty good. Well, maybe we should just move the entire studio into your apartment, Steimer. It'd be a little cramped in here, but sure, why not? <laughs> if it means I pay zero dollars in rent, sure. <laughs> well, yeah. unfortunately, the IRS wouldn't let you pay zero dollars, but <laughs> you would get to deduct something on your on your taxes. Um, but we did move the couch yesterday for the streams. Uh, speaking of the streams, if you are part of our fantastic community at patreon.com slash what's good games, we had our happy hour Q&A and after hour stream for the month of September. If you missed our live viewings, don't worry. You can catch the archives over on our channel page at patreon.com slash what's good games. As I mentioned, we got a nice rousing start to Man <laughs> of Madan, the Dark Pictures anthology, where we are on a boat. I'm on a you. boat. That's right. We're on a boat. Yeah. That, that was a popular song one summer, right? I'm not to like. Yeah, I know. Okay. 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 I'm still cool. You are you very are so hip. cool. Thanks. I'm hip. Um, so please go and check those out. You can join our Patreon membership for as little as $2 a month. You get exclusive vlogs, streams, and all kinds of cool stuff on our channel page. And we've got a couple of announcements. We are participating in Extra Life next month. As you guys know, October is a big month for fundraising for sick kids in hospitals that like to play video games to make them feel better. And... What's Good Games has never formally been part of Extra Life before, but this year we're teaming up with our friends uh, that are part of the Kind of Funny team for Extra Life to throw an event in my hometown oh, of boy. Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. I'm so pumped. It's going to be great. We're not giving out too many details yet, but you guys know that I've been teasing a WGG meetup in my hometown for a couple of months now, and we finally have... The weekend. So it looks like the official meetup will be Friday, October 25th with the Extra Life event, which will be open to the public on Saturday, October 26th. So we'll have lots more details to share, including 
some special guests that are going to be joining us at the event. We hope that we will see you there. We know that lots of you that live in that area of the country don't really get the opportunity to have time to come out and see us on the coast. So hopefully you'll mark it in your calendars and be able to come on down for one or both of those days that weekend. And of course, because it's the end of October, it's going to be Halloween themed. Duh. I am so excited. What's like the number one thing you're going to like the thing you're most excited to show me in Fargo? Are we going to go cruising downtown? Like we can't go cruising anymore. They made a cruising law. You don't have to know we're cruising. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But I'm excited to show you a couple of my favorite bars that I like to hang out in, uh, which um, have super cheap drinks. A lot of places have ladies night, which is great. Um, And, you know, a couple of my favorite restaurants and just really like get you to meet some of my family. It's going to be fun. I got to practice my accent. Don't. Yes, you do. No, no, don't. Don't, <laughs> don't do it in front of them or they'll kill you. I know. I mean, I have more social intelligence than that. It's kind of like when we went to London. Everyone's like, please don't use your accent when you're actually in London. It's like, I'm not. Don't worry. I'll just use it on a podcast where I'm safe from the yeah. glares. <laughs> also, to be clear, I will not be joining them in Fargo just in, Which, just in case. I'm very He's sad got business to I am, Yes, I am on a business thing. But I'm sure you ladies will have a wonderful time. She'll be there in spirit and maybe at some point during the stream, if the time zones aren't terrible, we can like FaceTime you or something. Oh, I will be flying for like 14 hours. So I don't think so, but I guess (laughs) we will make a cardboard cutout. Yes, that sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Cardboard cutout for the win. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. But yeah, you will be missed timer, but we're excited about the event. We've been, um, it's been in the works for quite some time. So mark your calendars. And Brittany, did you have anything else that you would like to add under housekeeping? I would. I want to give a huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has been leaving us those lovely five-star reviews on iTunes. They have been coming in in droves and they are awesome and very sweet and kind. So thank you so much. Because you see every now and again, ladies and gentlemen, we get reviews like this one from Periot the Clown. At least he's self-aware. He or she is self-aware. They know they're a clown. I get. There you go. The title is Knowledgeable, but push the feminist agenda a bit hard for me. And here's the review. If you're, spelled wrong, if you're a girl that's all about <laughs> other girls and love playing girl characters and look down upon masculine characters and also like video games, then this is the show for you. I mean, I also enjoy <laughs> masculine characters. <laughs> I mean, what do you think we like to look at all day? Come on, man. Yeah. Clearly missed the husbandos memo, huh? Clearly. Seriously. And our whole KFC portion of the show. And that game is out now. But no, I had to like reread this a few times. If you're a girl that's all about other girls and love playing girl characters and look down upon masculine characters and also like video games, then this is a show for you. I mean, it's a long, weird stretch of a sentence, but yeah. it, it mm. came out of someone's brain. It did. And- their fingers and they typed it into apple so if you haven't you know left us that lovely five-star review please help us offset people like parry out the clown yeah this is definitely like 90 percent <laughs> accurate the only two words <laughs> yep. that aren't accurate are look down mm-hmm. if yes. he had said look up upon masculine uh, exactly oh, exactly yeah. perfect you beat me to it you beat me to it all it takes is that itty bitty change, and it's a glowing review. There you, you know, go, right? 
<laughs> well, thanks for that, Britt. And yes, I've been seeing the reviews too. Thank you so much to everybody who's taking the time. I know it seems like a small thing, but it does really help us out in the long run as does hitting the subscribe button and downloading the show and going to YouTube and hitting subscribe. All of those things really help us out. So if you are like, hey, I don't have it in my funds to contribute to the Patreon or to you know, buy any of the ad content that we promote on the show, a little thing you can do that just takes a little bit of your time is leaving us a review. So thanks to all the folks who have. All right. Let's thank a few more folks like our Patreon producers for the month of September. Alex Rigopoulos, Chewy's Gadson, David Icolucci, Ferris Atay, and Muhammad Muhammad. And welcome to our Patreon community. Troy Jones, Mike E, like Mikey. Get it? Yeah, Brett oh, I get it. Yeah. That's James Jones, Christine Gammons, and Frog Lantern. I want to give a shout out to Troy Jones. If this is the Troy I'm thinking of, I met him at Target in downtown Seattle many years ago. And he actually sent me a photo of him watching us, um, our video cast at work. And it was us on like three different huge TVs. And it was like this big tech room. And it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much to everybody for joining. And now let's get into the news. The first story on the docket this week is from Miss Brittany Brombacher. Take it away. Okay, so State of Play happened. I'm sad you didn't read my title, Andrea. Thanks. State of Play happened. No, no, no. My title next to my name. Oh, oh excuse me. World famous author Brittany Brombacher. Thank you. Yeah. So I just kind of went through the trailer and wrote down the little notes. So we can go through these together, ladies. First one, Humanity, a game with a bunch of people running to each other and stressing me out, was announced. It's a PlayStation exclusive and VR compatible. It's made by Enhanced Tetris Effects and the LTD. So I'm assuming both of you have seen State of Play. I have uh, not, actually. No. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So what, so what happened was I was at the Last of Us event, and which we're going to talk about later, and they specifically asked us to not watch State of Play before we went to the event. And then afterwards, I just got busy. (laughs) Yeah. It happens. I was at work and then got busy. Okay. I mean, so, no. I did try Googling a couple of these. Like, I Googled, what's Ham? Whatever that. Oh, boy. Yeah, we'll get to that bad boy in a second. (laughs) Okay, so, any Humanity looks, it's clearly going to be a puzzle game of some sorts, but it's, um, I don't know, some people's, what's that one cube game that was a puzzle game back in the day? Oh, I don't remember the name of it. But um, some people said it could be like a Lemmings type of game. All you have are these little like faceless humans that there's tons of them. And all they're doing is like running into each other and like fighting each other. And it reminds me of being on a show floor. And it really was stressful. So I don't know if I'll play this. But anyway, if that's your kind of thing, if you like pretending that you're a human with a whole oh, bunch of other humans. weird. Are, are you, you looking at it? supposed to be? Yeah. Are you supposed to be? What are you trying to do? I don't know. And that's the thing. We don't really know. But clearly, it's something puzzly. But um, you know it's going to sound good and look good, you know, if Enhance is working on it. But I mean, this does look stressful because it is like Lemmings, but with real people, which is not a visual you really like. No, not at all. And then next up, Call of Duty Modern Warfare got a story trailer, and it earned a solid grunt for me because that looks real good. And also worth noting that during the trailer, Modern Warfare Special Ops Horde-like mode survival is exclusive to PS4 until October 1st, 2020. So Spec Ops is a mode, is my understanding. Andrew, you might be more familiar with this than I am. You mean Special Ops? 
Special ops. I say spec ops because I like to pretend yeah, I'm There cool. is a lot of people abbreviating it to spec ops. You're not alone, Brit. But yeah, the official name is special ops. So they didn't actually show us this mode when I was at Infinity Ward. But I did notice that the developers made a public statement because there was, as to be expected with any kind of gaming exclusive that's announced, a tidal wave of angry internet trolls going after the Infinity Ward for their year-long PS4 exclusive. It's exhausting because we know that Infinity Ward and Activision are in an exclusive marketing agreement with PlayStation 4. It's been this way for the last couple of years. It will be this way likely until the next generation. And like to go after Infinity Ward, Infinity Ward devs about it, I think it's just like ridiculous. If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at Activision. They're the <laughs> ones who made the deal. And so a lot of Infinity Ward devs um, took to their forums and took to the social media platforms and said, hey... It's above our pay grade, I believe, was like the official quote yeah. from some of the devs. It was the narrative um, director, Taylor Kurosaki. Did I say that right? Kuru- I don't know. Anyway, so I have that exact quote here, which I'll just read real quick. He said, "You can." this was on Twitter because someone reached out and said, why can't I play this on my Xbox until next year? And he said, you can play Spec Ops. Haha, <laughs> see, he called it Spec Ops. And every new bit ah. of content we drop day one. The only timed exclusivity is survival, which is a sliver of Spec Ops. We do our best every day to give our players the best experience possible. There are decisions that are above all of our pay grades that have to be considered. I understand your feelings, but this is much better than others I have seen. And then later there was a tweet where I think it was him that said survival only makes up 1% of the game. But that was deleted probably because like PR was like, no, don't say that. Yeah. Then because the, then the nerds will go and figure out if it is exactly what it's actually yeah, six point two. Don't do that. Don't give them a number. It's actually six point two percent. But yeah, so it's, I think the the thing that's interesting is that it's, I mean, it's a long ass exclusivity, right? Compared to I think what we're used to seeing. But the fact is, is that Spec Ops is still playable. It's just this one horde like mode that you cannot play um, on other consoles until October of next year, when the next game will be out. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Probably. Give Call of Duty is any indication? Yes. Yeah. There will be another, and yeah. another, and another, and another. And like you said, Andrea, this is just the way it's been. And even before this, it was with the Xbox 360 when they were nailing all the exclusivity deals. It's just right. You know, yeah. It's it's. I mean, I understand. Like, it's not ideal for everyone. You I mean ideally, you'd like to think that everyone has 100 percent of the content all the time. But you know, it's kind of the way. Kind of the way of the industry these days. The way the not, cookie crumbles sometimes. Exactly. And I'm not saying you can't be frustrated, but it comes back again to something I've said on the show before. You know, figure out a healthier way to process your frustration and anger instead of just lashing out at people who clearly had nothing to do with the decision. And does Activision need to be making these decisions? Absolutely not. They have plenty of money. They don't need to be making these exclusive deals anymore. You know, like Call of Duty isn't exactly a struggling, fledgling <laughs> franchise. Yeah. Right. So like they don't need to be making these exclusive exclusive marketing deals, but they still do. So if you're going to be mad, process your anger and then, you know, address it in a constructive way to the people who actually have control over it. Don't lash out on poor devs on the internet that have nothing to do with it. Anyway, rant over. You did good. All right. Next game. Watom, the next what the fuck game from the creator of Katamari Damacy and Mm -hmm. Nobi Nobi Boy. I've never played. Has a release window now of December 2019. Now this is big because this game was originally revealed at PlayStation Experience in 2014. So people have been waiting. Wow, really? It's been that long? Yeah, Yeah. people have been waiting a hot minute. 
So yeah. I played this game at Judges Week 2015. So June 2015 <laughs> is when I played this game. Um, and that's when it was still underneath the PlayStation Worldwide Studios banner. And then PlayStation was like, this is taking too long to make. And they're like, we're done. We're done with you. And then um, that's when they were kind of adrift for a little bit. And then Annapurna Interactive came in and picked it up. And it's going to be the publishing partner for it. Um, so when I saw... Um, uh, Wadham. That's that's how I said it, and that's how I said it with Robin Hunnicky from Phenomena. And I'm not sure if that's actually correct or not, but um, it was a. It looks almost exactly back then as it does in the trailer that I just saw. <laughs> but <laughs> it looks weird and wacky and silly, just like Katamari is. And I'm excited to play it. I just don't understand why it took five years to make. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. this game. Games can be hard. So yeah. like, it opens up and it's this sad cube man, and he's like crying he's like why am i alone and then a rock shows up and the rock like has a face and then but not the rock like dwayne not Johnson, like, dwayne. like no, a was... rock a rock like no. a literal piece of yeah like a little garbage. rock like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd i love you and then this rock appears and then the cube man is like oh this is so cool and he like tips his hat and then a dice rolls out of his hat and then it blows them both up and they're i guess both very excited about this i don't know what this game's about at all i watched the trailer a few times and i don't understand it but hey you, you won't don't okay. try so okay just, just don't even just don't let even it just try. let it wash over you exactly <laughs> and then arise a simple story developed by piccolo and published by techland was announced and this is a game about because i was reading a little bit about the press release it's a game of like love and loss and experiencing because the game okay so the trailer starts and you're a knight on your little pyre and then you're in what i guess you would assume to be your afterlife and this game is about re-experiencing happy memories and sad memories and uh it sounds like a lot of these moments in these game this game has been pulled from the developers themselves from piccolo studio which is like the best name ever because it reminds me of the green namek from dragon ball z anyway um and and yeah it's just about experiencing love and loss and it sounds like there's a mechanic in this game where you rewind time and you can use that depending on what kind of situation you're in so it's probably going to be an emotional game kind of like maybe sea of solitude i don't know oh yeah. ah, maybe maybe um medieval got a surprise demo it's available until 10 6 and if you play it you get an in-game cosmetic item do any of you care about this game no not really no yeah not really L.A. Noir: The VR Case Files is out now on PSVR. Um, this was a PC exclusive okay. until I remember late this. 2017. Yeah, and it's really funny because if you can watch some silly videos on YouTube of people playing this, because you can fuck with all the physics and you can like poke people and like smack people on the butt and punch people, it's fun. Anyway, ah <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, a good butt smacking. It's the little things in life that entertain me. Civ Six is coming to PS4 and is bundled with the Rise and Fall and Gathering Storm expansions on November 22nd, and it's also coming to Xbox One with the same expansions. The Nintendo Switch port came out last year, and it's also getting the expansion on November 22nd. There is a one terabyte Death Stranding PS4 Pro, and for a hot minute, I thought there was a baby in the controller because the controller is like the color of that water fluid thing that the baby's like thriving in. And for like a split second when they're like, this is the this is the console, this is the controller, they like Photoshop the baby into the left handle of the controller on the bottom. And it looks like the baby's like pounding, trying to get out. And I missed that the first time I saw this um, trailer. And then late last night, I was scrolling through Twitter and someone had just taken that picture and posted it in Twitter. Like that was going to be the actual controller. And I was like, that's very disturbing. But honestly, it probably would have been. I actually think it'd be funny if they did it like a king cake, like a king cake baby. And they just shoved it in there somewhere. 
That would be really amazing. Wouldn't it be funny? But then, cake, it, baby. but then you'd so like a it's a from a Fat Tuesday thing for um, Ash Week, right? Is that what it's called? Sure. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like, also not Catholic. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. basically, uh, when before Easter, like a week or two before Easter, I'm getting these wrong. Um, there's like, uh, no, it's before Lent. Excuse me. So the idea, Brittany, is that like you like feast on Fat Tuesday, like you get all of your, your things in that you want to splurge on because then when Lent comes, you're supposed to give up something right. in honor of some religious doctrine that I'm not familiar with anymore. I took a test on this once upon a time. Um, <laughs> now I just need to look it up because I'm sure somebody out there was listening to me being like, Andrea, you're totally murdering this. What are you doing? I mean, all I know is that there's like a bunt cake kind of a thing. No, it's not a bunt, but it's like mm, a circle cake. and like, like an bake, actual cake. Yeah. You bake a little baby into it and then whoever what? gets the baby piece. <laughs> I forget what happens to them. Is it good? It's good, right? I just looked it up. Um, so it says, uh, the king cake is a sweet roll that's equal parts delicious and festive. As the name implies, the origin of this colorful, overshaped dessert is rooted in royalty and rich tradition. With Fat yeah. Tuesday around the corner, uh, it's about carnival season. So what is the cake? It's, um, okay, cool. It's, I don't need to know about the actual, like, pastry part of the cake. <laughs> um, Give me vivid details, girl. Vivid details. But wait, there's a baby inside? There's two theories. Some believe that the plastic baby is a symbolism of the baby Jesus because of the religious connection to King's Day. Others, however, believe the popular New Orleans lore, which suggests that an elaborate cake was served with a bean or ring placed inside during the commemoration of the King's Ball in colonial Louisiana. Whoever found the bean or trinket in his or her slice of cake would be crowned the king or queen of the ball, leading up to the lavish finale at Mardi Gras. Rather than a bean or an expensive ring, the plastic effigy is mostly used today as an emblem of good luck. Though as history would have it, the lucky individual who scores the piece of king cake with the baby inside is said to gain favor and they're also tasked with hosting duties and bringing their own king cake for next year's revelry. So it really doesn't sound like a good thing if you have to host a party next year. I just don't I want mean, to find the baby like in my hosting cake. Parties. Yeah, I mean, don't break your teeth on it. Yeah. Um, so huh. King's Day, the King Cake is also served on King's Day, which is January 6th and lasts through the eve of Mardi Gras to celebrate the coming of the three kings, as well as to honor them with a sweet homage to their jeweled crowns. Uh, so essentially, the name is derived from the three wise men who came bearing gifts with the baby Jesus on the 12th night. Okay, so that so Death Stranding baby in controller. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Okay, got this it. This is your Christianity lesson on what's good game. There you go. We didn't even talk about Fat Tuesday and Lent, but we can skip that. We'll go back to that at some other point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Last of Us and MLB The Show 2019 is coming to PlayStation Plus in October. And then there is a kick-ass TLU 2 story trailer. And, of course, the release date was revealed of February 21st, 2020. Which is annoying as shit. I know, because you want it to be 2020, right? Yes. So the trailer was interesting. I don't know. Would you have you ladies seen at least seen the trailer? Yeah, I saw that. I watched that trailer today. Okay. Would you consider that trailer to be spoilery? Well, I mean, it's hard to quite a uh, yes. It's um, hard, right? It's weird. It's hard, but yes. Like I do. It's hard to know the timing of when all those things are supposed to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, I think if you want to go into this game dark, don't watch that trailer. Just know that the game is coming out on February there you 21st. Go. And that's all you really need to know. Um, but yeah, when I was watching, it was kind of interesting because 
as I was thinking about it, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts after having hands on with it, Andrea, I definitely have the feeling that this game will continue in its predecessor's footsteps in that this will not be a quote-unquote fun game to play. <laughs> this will be like an impactful game to play yep. and will have probably a lot of weight to it, but I don't know that it will be quote-unquote fun. Uh, so people who are listening, uh, not watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, I was touching my nose saying she n- hit it on the nose. Um, <laughs> I'll have a lot more to say in the hands-on segment, but what I saw at the hands-on preview event was beautiful, was absolutely impactful. And I got a presentation from Neil Druckmann, who was there. Let me pull up my notes that I wrote down from his little presentation. So essentially he came out and said, Hey, I want to give you just a little bit of context for the last of us part two. And he started by talking about the first game and how it sold over 17 million units and clearly has a massive fan base, but none of that mattered for them. They set out to make the biggest game that naughty dog has ever created. That was like verbatim. He said, set out to create naughty dogs, biggest game ever. So The Last of Us Part Two is going to be their biggest game. And they wanted to hit specific themes like the unconditional love a parent feels for their child was something that they touched on in the first game. And the idea of how far you're willing to go to protect the ones you love and how everything from the gameplay, the music, mechanics, the pacing and genre, all of that led into this emotional feeling of how far are you willing to go to protect the ones you love. So why part two? And they, he, he led with the theme is how far are you willing to go to bring people responsible to justice? Mm. This idea of almost a revenge genre is how he kind of classified what part two is going to feel like in compared to part one. And just as like a refresher, it's been 25 years since outbreak day with these you know, fungal infections. Uh, the setting is in, uh, well, the first setting, I guess, of what we played was in a city called Jackson. And then, you know, they kind of talked a lot about, about like what this means for the game and, and, and gameplay and these really weighted feelings of emotion and trying to like ground the gameplay in this really like visceral place. And so I think that's nothing new for anybody who actually played the last of us, like that yeah. game's heavy, mm-hmm. And I think there's no one that would argue that it was one of the most cinematic and emotional pieces of interactive storytelling that has ever created, been created in the world of video games. It was phenomenal. When it comes to gameplay, however, I think there's still a lot that's left to be desired. And I'll go into both of those things, good and bad, in the next segment. Woo! And that wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen, for that little state of play recap. All right. Well, we do definitely still have quite a few stories to get through, so I'll try to get through them um, as quickly as possible. But uh, let's start with Xbox One game streaming service Project xCloud goes public in October. This comes from Mike McWhorter over at Polygon. Microsoft's Xbox One game streaming service Project xCloud will get a public preview test in October, letting select testers play games like Gears 5 and Halo 5 Guardians on phones and tablets. The public preview of Project xCloud will initially be limited to players in the United States, United Kingdom, and Korea. Halo 5 Guardians, Gears 5, Killer Instinct, and Sea of Thieves will be played 
playable as part of the preview, and Microsoft says it will add more titles over time. Testers won't need to own the Xbox One games available during the preview in order to play them. Players interested can head on over to the Project X Cloud site and register for the closed beta. I'm going to skip what devices it's available on, because if you're interested, you can go check that out. <laughs> um, but... Kareem Chowdhury, the corporate vice president for Project X Cloud, said in a statement, Public preview is a critical phase in our multi-year ambition to deliver game streaming globally at the scale and quality of the experience the gaming community deserves and expects. It's time to put Project X Cloud to the test in a broader capacity with a range of gamers, devices, network environments, and real-world use case scenarios. And this is where you come in. At Xbox, we've made it a priority to engage with all of you to help in the creation process. We now want you to play with us and share your feedback on Project X Cloud so we can iterate and improve week after week. Join us, have fun playing, share your stories and feedback, and be part of the journey. Mm. <sighs> Very nice. Uh, go sign yeah. up if you're interested. That's, I mean, I'm curious to see how it'll go. I think it's great that they're doing this. I know that Stadia did a test a while back, but they haven't done another broader test leading up to launch. And I'm curious if that's because they got all the data that they needed because they're Google and they have tons of data to begin with. Or if it's because they are maybe waiting to see where the bulk of the users are going to be install-wise. Like, are they going to be on iOS? Are they going to be on Android? Are they going to be on laptops? I'm not sure. It's Yeah, I mean, these are the kind of tests, the public preview tests, that we really need. Because, Andrew, you went on hands-on with Stadia at PAX. Steimer, did you get to see it, too? Uh, I didn't play it there. I played it when it was not called Stadia. When it was called... So I've- I forget what they called it on that other test. <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking at Andrea because she's sipping her wine in the wine glass because of the camera angle. The wine glass literally looked the size of her head. And I was like flabbergasted. I mean, her. it's a large glass. It's technically a Pinot Noir glass, but I'm drinking um, Barbara in it tonight. But oh, Barbara. Um, it's delicious, but it is a large glass because the big bulb is for a good bouquet. Ooh, that sounds real dirty. I like it. Mm-hmm. But um, it, so when I got to play Stadia, you know, uh, at PAX West, it was a very, very controlled environment. And of course, you know, the reps who are very, very nice, kind people, you know, said it's because there's too much interference. There's too much other stuff going on. We want you to be able to see it in the best way possible. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but. I mean, it, that's how everybody wants. Exactly. And that's you see yeah. any event. And that's the thing is that didn't sell me on it. Granted, you know, I get, I got to see like, okay, this is how it would work in theory. You push this, you push that, you do that, you see it here. But uh, it didn't sell me on it because obviously that's not a real world like environment, right? So this is like you said, Simon, basically I'm summarizing what you said is I'm really interested to see how this actually plays out and how it really looks. I'm yeah, a little, it's nice uh, to be able yeah. to see that. I'm a, oh God, he- not hesitant, skeptic Sally right now. Skeptic Sally. Mm, I'm into it. Yeah, thanks. That's now, it. for the world's most important news story. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Take it away, Simon. New Batman game from Arkham Origins developer teased. Should I do this in, in Yes, do it in Batman voice. Yes. <laughs> That's too, it'll hurt my voice. Uh, can you do uh, the first paragraph or sentence? <laughs> I'm trying to remember how I'd even <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my bad no. impression while you remember. Okay. Everyone may be busy playing the six week Batman. Oh my god, that's pretty good. Just released on the Epic oh, Game no. Store. Now you sound menacing. Oh my god. Stop it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Amazing. 
<laughs> go see um, him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or possibly exploring. Oh Gotham no! City Fortnite. Oh wait. Oh, you want me? Oh, sorry. I fucked it up. Um. No, I can't. I'm sorry. I, I'll <laughs> laugh. It won't get. It won't get done. Uh, but there's yet more Batman gaming news for you this week. <laughs> Over the past few days, Warner Brothers Montreal, the studio behind Batman Arkham, this oranges. Says or, this says oranges. It I think that's an autocorrect. <laughs> origins uh, has been hinting to get a brand new bat game, Batman game, which looks like it's based on a mysterious organization called the Court of Owls. Sounds oh, like oranges. a hint. What if heart. Batman Arkham Oranges was a hint? Is it like if a flea Batman market Arkham simulator? Oranges, is it it a, would be so good. Is it like a flea market simulator? Like what's no, happening? It would be like oranges. Fruit Ninja, but with the battering. Oh, oh yes, I'm into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Arkham Oranges. Batman Arkham Oranges. Uh, <laughs> last weekend in its first post since 2015, the Warner Brothers Twitter account posted this video of four symbols flashing in front of the bat signal. The symbols were posted again yesterday, this time in a much clearer format, along with the words, capture the night. There's also some kind of night, night pun going on in the French bit. It's all rather mysterious, but a couple of clues point toward this being a title focused on a sinister organization called the Court of Owls. We already said this. Thanks, Eurogamer. Uh, Last year, a Warner Brothers Montreal producer tweeted a photo of a t-shirt with an owl-like logo, while Batman writer Scott Snyder recently wrote in a now-deleted tweet, wait for it, dot, 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 hashtag, beware the Court of Owls. So, so in Eurogamer's story, if you guys want to see the full write of Eurogamer.net, they talk about who the Court of Owls is and their history in DC Comics and where they first appeared in the Batman storyline. Um, so I, I didn't want to go into that because it was like a little too deep cuts into the lore of what's happening here. But what do you think, Steimer? Are you excited? I'm always down for more Batman games. I really like them. And yeah. then it means I can do stupid voices. But not really. Not today. Not today. <laughs> I was okay. You'll you'll make up for it another time. I know you will. Um, I will. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and everyone thought that something would have been announced during Sony's State of Play um, yesterday, which was the twenty fourth, and it didn't happen in the hype machine. Man, a lot of people were very very let down, and you could hear their hearts breaking around the world. That was right. I mean, Comic Con, New York Comic Con is a week away. It would make sense to me that they would announce it at New York Comic Con if they were going to announce it at all ahead of the Game Awards. The Game That's Awards true, seems to yeah. be like the best place to announce it, but New York Comic Con is like the second best place. Plus, State yep. of Play, PlayStation? I don't Hell think no. PlayStation has proved that State of Play is a worthy vehicle for these kinds of major announcements. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair. I do love that Scott Snyder deleted this tweet, though. Because that's not how the internet works. You can't just delete a tweet. Do you think the internet will remember that? Yeah, because I think it was tweeted and then it was almost immediately deleted. And so, how, I mean, there must be, I mean, obviously people that watch that shit 24 7. But like, oh my God. Notifications. You know how I know this? Today, I tweeted the Destiny 2 Shadow Keep launch trailer Mm -hmm. and I wrote, My hype can be contained. Oh, Oh. like destiny 2 and i was like wait no, no. wrong my head cannot Oops. be contained delete delete and i deleted yeah. it instantly and then retweeted it with the with how my hype cannot be contained uh-huh. the link and the hashtags and everything and then i wrote another tweet it was like kudos or bonus points to the people who saw my tweet in the point five seconds before i deleted it with the typo but that's what happens so if you turn notification on notifications on for 
certain people's tweets, mm-hmm. like you'll get that ping notification and then the no- notification contains the original tweet. Oh, kind of <laughs> okay. But I makes- like the idea of you doing like a social thing where you're like, my hype can be contained and you have like a glass jar and you just like <laughs> close it. <laughs> you're like, and then inside is a piece of paper that says hype. <laughs> Okay, I kind of want to make this thing now. <laughs> I feel like if there's ever a game that you're not super jazzed about, that's what, like, just make it a GIF and we'll tweet it alongside yes. every game that you're Have like, this eh. become a GIF. Okay, like, so I'll, I'll make a photo and then I'll turn the live photo into a GIF. I, I have a mason jar in the house. I'll just write hype on a piece of paper. I'll make this <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> oh my god so good speaking of hype going into a jar and closing who wants to read the next story what i don't get it <laughs> oh my gosh okay read, i got it this is not very exciting is what uh, i'm saying oh 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 okay yeah. i get the transition so, Ra- ryan mccaffrey over at ign <laughs> did a preview and some impressions of medal of honor above and beyond as it was announced medal of honor is is back in a way you probably didn't expect. Respawn Entertainment, the makers of Apex Legends, Titanfall, and the upcoming Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is turning its attention to one of the new-ish parent company, EA's veteran but dormant properties. So I'm going to stop for a second and remind you that this was a really big deal when Respawn made a public announcement that they were working on a first-person shooter for VR. And everybody was very excited because it's Respawn and the bar is set pretty high for them with Titanfall and what they've done for that franchise. And nobody knew what it was, but they were saying it was going to be a triple-A caliber experience. And now we know it's Medal of Honor. All right, back to Ryan. Medal of Honor, (laughs) I lost my spot in the story. Medal of Honor Above and Beyond is a World War II first-person shooter, as you'd expect. But what you probably wouldn't have imagined is that it's a VR game that's exclusive to Oculus Rift. In fact, it's published by Oculus Studios. Its release date for now is the very vague 2020. The new Medal of Honor takes place over three acts made up of many missions each, and the Respawn team says the campaign lasts 10 to 12 hours, a lot by VR standards. I played a training level in a couple of missions. In the former, you're taught the basics, albeit in VR, and some weapons can be held with two hands, upping their accuracy. It's pretty neat that you can pull the pin out of a grenade with your teeth by raising the held grenade to your mouth. The missions are inspired by World War II events, but they're not a direct recreation of them. Game director Peter Hirschman, who in a heck of a full circle career move, worked on the original Medal of Honor back in the late 90s, emphasized that Medal of Honor Above and Beyond is meant to be a fun video game first rather than a simulation or direct historical recreation. So Ryan goes into a lot of details about his hands-on time. And so if you guys would like to hear more about what he played, again, I want to refer you to his original article at IGN.com. Give them the click because we didn't play it. Um, And I think it's really interesting that they're bringing Medal of Honor back. I think it's great that they're using an existing IP. And World War II is clearly a very popular genre within the first-person shooter kind of umbrella of, of shooter games. Do I want this in VR for me, Andrea Renee? No, No. but I think there's a lot of people out there that love this franchise that are going to be excited about it. What do you ladies think? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see... I played all the um, old PlayStation Medal of Honor games back in the day, in the 90s. They were fun. Loved playing those with my dad. Um, I would like to see... Because what was the last one that came out? Was it 
2010 or 2012 or something. I remember they like they rehashed. So yeah, they rehashed it, like brought it back. But especially with Respawn's track record, I would love to see them bring this to a non-VR platform just because like, you know, I, that's just my preferred way of playing games. But like you said, I think it's cool that, you know, it, it does take developers, you know, with the reputation of Respawn to be like, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to make a AAA shooter 10 to 12 hour campaign for VR to legit help legitimize VR as a platform. So it's a good thing. And plus there's enough shooters to last me a lifetime. I don't need them. True. Yeah. The last Medal of Honor was technically Medal of Honor Warfighter that was published in 2012, but Medal of Honor that was on uh, Windows and 360 and also PS3 was um, in 2010. Okay. Yeah, it was a good time. I'm looking at some of the gameplay footage right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the fact that it's VR is a is a no. And <laughs> honestly, I, I'm i curious to see how many people go, get through the 10 to 12 hours Obviously, you're going to need to break that up. There's no way you could sit down and blast through this game in VR. Yeah, I'm looking at the gameplay footage, and it's kind of jarring because obviously it's VR, right? So the graphics, they're not going to be like what we've come to expect on current-gen consoles. So it's, it's kind of like, whoa, what's that? And they're like, okay, yeah, this is all mm-hmm. in VR. And because it all it is in VR, like that looks good because it's VR. Yeah. yeah, the standards are different. The standards are different, exactly. I I definitely want to give this a shot. I want to, no pun intended, I want to try it because I think, I'm, you know, especially with the next story that we're going to talk about, um, I've always been into VR. It's just not ideal at the moment. So with that Do you want to take the next story? Yes, I would, I would love to. <clears throat> You'll be able to use Oculus Quest as a PC VR headset to play Rift games from November. Eurogamer, a.k.a. Arkham Oranges. Facebook has unveiled the <laughs> Oculus Link, a new cable software combo enabling Oculus Quest owners to play the full library of Rift games via their PC. It's a surprising but certainly welcome development, meaning that when Link launches in November, those with an Oculus Quest will essentially get the best of both VR worlds. Not only will their headset continue to support self-contained, tether-free play, it can also be hooked directly up to a PC via USB-C cable to take full advantage of the extensive Rift library. And the presentational boost that a high-end PC's additional grunt affords. All that's required is the Oculus Link software, a suitable cable. Facebook says it will release its own optical fiber cable later this year and a gaming PC that supports USB-C. According to Eurogamer's Ian Higton, who's in attendance at today's Oculus Connect event, Facebook's offering is more specifically a USB-C to USB-C cable, 6 meters in length, that will cost 80 USD, around 65 euros, at launch. Quote, you can use your own cable if you want, says Ian, but the weight may not be there and lower-end USB to USB-A cables may not be compatible. USB-C to USB-A. Ian's also had a chance to go hands-on with the Oculus Link and reports, quote, there's hardly any noticeable latency and visually everything was much, much sharper than games normally look on the Quest. I played Stormland and it looked fantastic. That's not the end of it for Quest users either. Facebook also announced during today's Oculus Connect keynote that it would be bringing controller-free finger and hand tracking to the device sometime next year. Rather than relying on external sensors, this uses the Quest's built-in monochrome cameras and, as Facebook puts it, quote, approximates the shape of your hand and creates a set of 3d points to accurately represent your hand and finger movement in vr and while it won't be appropriate for all scenarios it certainly looks impressive in the accompanying video and promises to add extra layer of immersion to the virtual reality experience by stripping away the need for handheld hardware at present facebook hasn't revealed whether the new finger and hand tracking system will also be coming to its current high-end pc headset the oculus rift s and indeed given that both it and the quest retail for the same 399 dollar 
Today's announcements raise questions about the future of the machine. I think this is incredibly exciting, not just because I own an Oculus Quest, but because I think it's indicative of where VR is going. I think Facebook, who is one of the companies at the forefront of VR with Oculus and their incredible investment in the VR space, are saying, hey, we see that people want convenience and people are coming to the Quest in droves because it's so much more convenient to use than being plugged and tethered to your machine. Let's try to figure out a way to make this the high value item in our you know, VR portfolio. I think this is really cool, exciting news. Yeah. I didn't even know this was something that would be possible because I don't follow this like techie because, you know, whatever. Anyway, point being, as soon as I saw this, I was like, I want to I want a quest, you know, because I like the convenience of being able to roam around and playing like, you know, smaller little titles or whatnot. But I also like the hardcore horror games where I shit my pants. But, you know, a lot of those do require a lot more <laughs> oomph on your PC. And it's like, well, now I have to think about do I get one? Do I get the other? Do I? Uh, but now it's like I can just get one and almost, I guess, have two at the same time. So it's really cool, and it's it has me all sorts of excited. And the have you seen the hand tracking video? That's really cool too. Um, it's just people putting on the the headset, and then you know it's just literally it's their hands. You don't have to use a controller. It shows people picking things up and hitting things, and just like moving their hands around. Some lady has octopus hands. I don't know what's happening there, but it looked cool. And like you said, I think this is we're slowly but steadily moving toward that VR. I think feel that we all really want besides Steimer because she doesn't like things on her head. Yes. But yeah, this yeah, is exciting. The last two stories, not doing it for me. Not blowing my skirt up. No, I, and I get it. I also don't like wearing the VR headset for long periods of time because I have a pretty small face and head. And so I have to really like clamp the adjustable straps down pretty tightly in order to get it from sliding up and down where the vision gets blurry. But that said, I really appreciate the tech and the really cool future that it represents. Even if it's not like, oh my God, I'm going to wear this thing all the time. Yeah. That's true. But when you come told, down in I October, Brittany, you, you can try yeah. my quest. Okay. It'll be fun. It'll be real good. Um, so I put a tiny little section here of some other news that launched this week, just so I quickly run down it. Google mentioned that they're launching Play Pass, a game and app subscription service for Android this week. That is obviously in direct competition with mm. Apple Arcade. Uh, Mario Kart's mobile subscriptions have launched, oh, and boy. people are upset that they are five bucks a month. Woof. I, that is outrageous that is for a mobile steep. game. Yeah. It's like, you know, by that year, you can get Mario Kart 8. I'm just saying. It, it's, I don't think it's, I think it, it's not necessarily a, a bad idea, but that price point is like way too much. Because my understanding is it's kind of like a battle pass, but not anywhere near as good as a battle pass, but same sort of idea. And for $5 a month, I think that technically adds up to be more than the Fortnite battle pass. Anyway. Long story short, this is weird. It's weird how Nintendo is so good at some other things and then little mobile grabs and jabs like this. You're like, what are you doing, friends? They're bad, yeah. But I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, anyway. Um, Sony announced that they're opening an online retail site for sales of physical consoles and games. So this is essentially just an extension of the PlayStation Network store. So if you log into your PS4 and you boot up your console and you go on over to the store... There's now going to be a section for physical sales. If you're like, I want to buy a PlayStation VR, 
You can do that now from the PlayStation Store on your PS4. And you can also buy specific retail editions of games as well and have them shipped to you. And if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you get free one-day shipping. Mm. Nice. I think that this is just a natural extension. We talked about a story earlier this year about how they were no longer going to sell codes through external retailers, that they were only going to sell codes, digital codes in-house. And I think this is just them trying to bring all of their money money underneath their own umbrella so that Mm -hmm. they can control those streams of revenue, which I don't blame them for. Mm -mm. Makes sense. Um, and another story and a big congratulations. And by the way, I was when I was thinking about this story, I was like, I still have my diamond loot box edition that I need to unbox. And I charged up my claptrap robot. Do you guys Ooh. remember the claptrap robots? Yeah, you control of the app. Yeah. So I have one and I was like, I want my little robot to help me do the unboxing. Uh, speaking of claptrap, uh, Borderlands 3 has sold 5 million copies in its first five days. This is from the 2K press release. This puts the sales of the game 50% up compared to Borderlands 2 within the same amount of time. And interestingly enough, 2K noted that the digital share for the game was incredibly strong, over 70%. Hmm. That seven zero percent of players purchased the game digitally. Sales of the PC version, which of course is an Epic Game Store exclusive, um, are incredibly strong, is the quote that they said, and quote exceeded the label's expectations. Damn. So clearly, that Epic Game Store exclusivity did not hurt 2K or Gearbox at all. Nope. I hope all of you sad but hurt seeing <laughs> fanboys who bitched about it online. Oh, God. Oh, we're swallowing that chunk of salt. I'm going to have fun in the comment section on Friday. No. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. go in there and delete and ban all those bitches. <laughs> you know how I feel about oh, it. My You're allowed to like Steam over Epic Game Store. You're allowed to have criticism of Epic Games as a company in, in the Epic Game Store services. You're not allowed to be a dick about it. No, that's that's very true. Don't don't be a dick about a lot of things in life. Uh, it's just not worth it. Yeah. But it's interesting it's that 70... Really 70% of players digitally, because I know with the Gears um, story, I think we did last week, I don't remember what that percentage was, but it, it was obviously a very high digital number. And we we're like, okay, maybe it's because it's part of Game Pass, but right. maybe it's just the, the way of the future, man. You know what? I do not miss physical games in my house at all. I love codes. It yeah. keeps my house nice and clean. I don't have to worry about it. Everything's just there. Yeah, you know, as, as someone, as Simer has called a hoarder, you know, a collector of video games. <laughs> you <laughs> I, are. You are a, a neat hoarder. A neat hoarder. There we go. No, like, I don't, I can't remember the last time I bought a physical um, copy of a game. It probably came in a collector's edition of sorts. But even with those, I'm getting pretty stingy on. But no, it's, I, it's yeah. But I'm, I'm sad about it. I'm reluctantly going into a digital future. I love my my boxes and the the box art and like smelling it when you take the plastic off yeah. and you open it up and you got the disc in there it's got that like you're gonna make me relapse girl smell. you're gonna no. make me relapse See, the problem though is you keep having to switch all that shit and it's annoying yeah i like being able to like just go to the dash and be like bloop okay i yep. pop into this thing no nope, bloop i go over to this thing it's- i'm with you the convenience of it is great i get super frustrated when i have to delete stuff though and i've upgraded my external storage and internal storage more than once on both of my consoles but can and you it's just, still frustrating I don't, I just, I just, you just delete the yeah. you don't delete all of it you delete like the main file on it and then if you want to go back and play it later you just download it right because just 
easily downloading 80 gigabyte files for a triple A game. I mean, first like- of all, if you are about ready to delete it, you're probably never going back. Let's just be real. Right. Like, there's a lot of things where you keep it Don't there. Don't pull me out of my bullshit. <laughs> I was going to say, like, even I, girl, like, I have no problem deleting games. Like, I'm never going to go back to that. Yeah, I'm never going to go back. You just have to accept it sometimes. It's no. just like cleaning out your closet, right? You're like, okay, I bring these new pieces in. I got to take some things out. Yeah. What Dark are the things? Two definitive editions spark joy in my life. Oh, Probably exactly. Not. Probably not. <laughs> let it go. Just let it go. Yep. Goodbye. All those big Assassin's Creed games that you probably won't play again. Just let them go, girl. I know, like Origins. I've been oh, hanging God, on. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta delete it. I just yeah. go. I gotta yep. go back to Odyssey, but Origins is not happening. I'm sorry, Bayek. It's over. You spent a lot of good time with Bayek. Cherish the memories. Don't be sad because yeah. it's over. Be happy it happened. Or whatever that stupid saying is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm with you. And on that note, let's take our first break of the evening. It has been a whopper of a news week. And we will be back in just a moment. <laughs> good everybody and welcome back to the what's good games podcast this is the section where we talk about what we've been playing and our hands-on impressions from any preview events we've gone to and this week i'm going to be talking about a very anticipated game but before we get to that i want to tell you that this segment is brought to you by calm take a moment relax and listen to the soothing sounds of water and birds chirping. Do you feel it? Do you feel relaxed? I feel like I have to pee. I know, me too. I Yep. <laughs> well, don't pee. But <laughs> go with me on a journey, a calming journey. Did you guys know that the World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century as stress? We're feeling more uncertainty and anxiety than ever before. And that's why What's Good Games is partnering with Calm, the number one rated app for meditation. When you meditate, your brain chemistry changes. Meditation has been shown to slow down the release of stress chemicals into your bloodstream like cortisol and adrenaline and give you some much needed relief. With Calm, you'll discover a whole library of simple guided meditation on themes like anxiety, creativity, and focus. So Even other resources, excuse me, they have other resources to help you relax, like sleep stories, music, and more. So if you're stressed, take a deep breath and get calm. Um, Now that I'm done talking in my soothing voice, I'm just going (laughs) to leave this really lovely water sounds in the background. The reason I want to talk about calm from my personal experience is because I have been on like a high anxiety vibration for the last two months. It feels like between getting ready for the move and having PAX West and then doing the move and trying to get everything set up in the new house. The stress for me was at like an all time high. And one of the things that really helped ground me was this idea of just taking a beat and going, you know, I'm just going to do five minutes of meditation today. Even if it's just me doing breathing exercises, what's great about Calm is that they have daily meditations that are super easy to do. 
and are around five to 10 minutes long. You just boot it up. You have a very lovely person and the people who do the meditations rotates and they guide you through. They're like, we're just going to sit here and we're going to think about this and we're going to breathe and do this. And I know sometimes meditation can seem really intimidating. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Am I doing like these weird breathing things? Do I have to make these weird sounds? Do I have to sit in this position? No. All it requires you is to be still for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long you choose to meditate each day. You just got to be still and listen. You can listen through your headphones or you can listen on a speaker, wherever is comfortable for you. And just allow your brain to just like mm, power down just a little bit. And it feels like in this society, we're always having one more thing we're thinking about. And, oh, did I forget this thing? And, oh, I have to do this thing tomorrow. And, oh, like I'm anxious about this, this, and this. And so I would really highly recommend if you're like, oh, my God, I need some help. Calm is a great way to do that. And right now, for What's Good Games listeners, you guys can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash what's good. So that's C-A-L-M dot com slash what's good. Over 40 million people have downloaded Calm. And you can find out why if you visit the website calm.com slash what's good. So even if you guys have already downloaded the app and you're using some of the free services and you're like, hey, I want to upgrade to get like the sleep stories or to get more meditations, that promo code is good for you guys on your premium subscription. Um, and so I would highly recommend you check it out. I kind of didn't want to turn the water sound off. It's, but, it's really nice. Right? But I feel like I should because it'll make me sleepy. I don't pee. <laughs> don't pee on the show. We're doing hands-on impressions. Oh, All no. right. Let's get into it. So the preview event, which you guys may have seen, I tweeted about and put on the What's Good Games fan page was for The Last of Us Part 2. Are you ladies okay with me leading with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So PlayStation invited me to come down. And this is where, of course, I want to make sure everybody knows that PlayStation provided me with access to the preview event. And I went down. I drove my own car. Over Ooh, to the event. I was LA. That's right. Um, and I went into this event space and it was super dark and very quiet and very serious. And Neil Druckmann gave a little presentation, which I talked about at the top of the show during the news when Brittany was talking about state of play. So I won't go over all of that again, but I did want to mention something that I forgot where Neil was talking about how the very first Tilu game, the, the Last of Us, started out as a Jackson Daxter concept. But they pitched PlayStation on wanting to do something different. They're like, yeah, we've done this. We could do another one and it probably would be really cool and great. But we want to try something really radically different for us as a studio. And thus, The Last of Us was born. And because of the overwhelming success of The Last of Us, they are now making The Last of Us Part 2. And they're taking all of those themes and kind of extrapolating on them and making them even more intense. So during the hands-on, I got to play two separate demos. It was about two and a half hours of hands-on time, roughly. The first demo was called Patrol, and it was essentially a day in the life of being Ellie. So I played as Ellie. And the setting is Jackson. It's a refuge of civil society in a world of chaos where Ellie and Joel ended. So she was 15 in the first game, and now she is 19 in this game. And I guess this is maybe a good time for me to say that there will be obviously very mild spoilers, story spoilers in this game. And when I say mild, I'm like, I'm, 
I only played two hours of a game that's going to be, you know, pretty long. But if you're yeah, like, but I if you're like, yeah. blind, you should yeah. probably skip ahead, skip ahead. Probably 15, 20 minutes. So in this demo, Ellie is 19. So she's got hobbies and friends, a job, quote, almost a normal life. But obviously, because of the infection, <laughs> it's not a normal life. Her job in this society is to go on patrol. And so in when they go on patrol, they go look around the perimeter of the city and look for small threats, which they eliminate. And then if they find a big threat, like a horde or something like that, then they have to hightail it back to town and then get reinforcements. And then they go and deal with it. So in this demo, she is with her... I don't know if they're officially calling her her girlfriend, mm. but the I love interest. Yeah, exactly. There the girl go. that we saw her kissing in the E3 demo uh, when we were there in that weird barn thing. Oh, you guys uh-huh. remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a very sweaty. I saw half time. of that, half of that presentation. Exactly. So she's out on patrol with this girl whose name I somehow did not write down, who I don't remember. Eh, I also it sounds don't like she dies anyway. It's fine. Yeah, and so they're on horseback. Damn, spoilers. No, it's in the trailer. I, I know. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Well, listen, they exchanged some heavy kissing at the end of the demo. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but so they're on horseback, and then they get to this uh, little town, and you can get off and explore. And Neil had mentioned that he had wanted to make a big emphasis about the exploration. So they gave us some gameplay notes where they said that they've created a dedicated jump button for exploration meaning you're going to be able to jump up to places <laughs> you know that really awkward jump where you're like yeah trying to get to places so you can now is jump it contextual or is it you can jump at any time uh both okay so there so are, i can do this stupid mmo thing that i always do where i'm literally just jumping everywhere in place <laughs> or yeah, amazing place, yeah. correct um there's also a dedicated crouch and prone for stealth so now ellie can go completely prone and hide mm-hmm. in tall grass even though they said you're never truly completely hidden. It's not of like a fast read where yeah. like you have like a cone around you or like you're hidden. If you're, if an enemy or an NPC comes close enough to you, they're going to be, be able to see you prone in grass. Um, and they also said that there is analog stealth is what they're calling it. The more hidden you are, the better the mechanics work, but you can never be fully hidden. So they're calling it an analog stealth system. The listen mode is back. So, uh, you know, Joel had listen mode. Ellie has listen mode where you're kind of like you hit the R1 button and you go into this kind of like black and white where you can kind of see like the heat signatures of the enemies around you. And that it's okay to run away. (laughs) If you're overwhelmed, maybe the best plan is to just run, reestablish stealth and then sneak your way back in. And then, of course, crafting has been expanded in this game, that there's going to be new supply items to look for and that you can upgrade certain items at workbenches. And so the crafting and upgrading system has definitely been expanded that from the previous game. So just a couple of mechanics notes that I want to get into before I dive into the demo. So the first time we get into the exploration with your, I'm just going to call her your girlfriend, for lack of a better term, or your bae. Maybe it's her bae. Who knows? <laughs> Is uh, where it's snowy. And so you, the horses are kind of crunching through the snow. And as to be expected, if you guys saw the trailer from State of Play, the game looks absolutely gorgeous. It's yeah, just the textures are, are crazy. 
And the fluidity of moving from gameplay into cutscene into gameplay is incredibly well done. As I think it is by almost any Sony Worldwide Studio uh, partner. I think that they clearly took a lot of what they've learned, not only from the Uncharted series, but from the previous Tilu and just ratcheted it up. It looks great. We're, of course, at the end of the console generation, so they're really firing on all cylinders here when it comes to being able to maximize the usage of the engine with the hardware that they're working with. And <sighs> the game looks the game looks beautiful and gorgeous. Whether you're in gameplay or you're in a cutscene, it's it's phenomenal looking. And so we kind of go around this encampment, clearing out random runners, which are a type of clicker here and there, not a type of clicker, a type of infected um, here and there. And you're picking up supplies, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go into the story specifics because I want you guys to experience it. But they have a really nice moment between her and this girl where they're kind of bantering back and forth and you're picking up lore within the world. And then they have this scene at the end where they stumble upon Eugene's kind of hideout, his lair. And it's a really neat moment. And it would almost feel slow if it was any kind of game other than a Naughty Dog game. But the voice acting and the pacing and the animations are all so lovingly handcrafted that you just sit there, you just kind of put your controller down, you just kind of like watch it play out. And it feels so cinematic in a way that very few games can execute. So I really loved that first demo because I felt like I was having like this intimate moment with these characters as they were kind of bantering back and forth. And then it ended up in this really romantic moment between them. And I'll leave it at that so you guys can experience <laughs> it for yourself. But it was it was really great. The second part of the demo was called Suburbs. And this was a more heavily combat-focused demo where they were clearly were trying to show Ellie much later in the game. I had all of these extra weapons and upgrades unlocked, all these other crafting abilities unlocked. And the trouble with that is that I didn't have the time to ramp up into those and mm-hmm. to practice with them or to learn what they do. I just got thrown into the demo and they're like, cause we want you to see it, but good luck. <laughs> Here's yeah, some guns. That's unfortunately, a lot of demos. Yeah. yeah, that's a very common problem in 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 video game demo situations. So it was a bummer because I got frustrated. Like I got incredibly frustrated with the combat, and it reminded me, and it kind of like all rushed back. Oh yeah, the combat in The Last of Us kind of sucked. <laughs> the combat from Naughty Dog in general kind of sucks when you compare it to other third person action games within the same genres. I feel like Naughty Dog still has a ways to go with their combat mechanics. And that was a big bummer knowing this amazing narrative exploration experience I had in the first demo going into the second demo of being like, okay, I'm pretty frustrated. So Mm. let me just give a little setup. In the second demo, Ellie is now in Seattle. So the situation is like, (laughs) yeah, so the scenario, the scenery, excuse me, it's very different lush green it's clearly no longer winter i would guess it's either spring or summer um in this part of the demo and she's pursuing people that have wronged her to keep it very vague (laughs) Uh, you run into a new faction called the wlf they are a xenophobic group that executes trespassers on site so they control the area so needless to say you either got to be real good at stealth or you got to be prepared to murder everybody (laughs) And what was really frustrating to me about this was was a little bit twofold. 
So you're there to save your friend Tommy. The WLF have him, or he's hiding somewhere among their ranks, and you have to go in and get him out. And the WLF likes to use attack dogs. Oh, no. And the attack dogs look exactly like a friendly neighborhood German shepherd. Look like your standard police dog. And let me tell you, I murdered about seven of those dogs. Because if you cannot maintain stealth, then the dogs will come at you and, like, rip you to pieces unless Mm. you murder them. There's no way... To really disengage, you can't you can't until dawn these dogs. <laughs> you, so you can kind there are there is a way to do it non lethal. So in this section, the dogs will pick up your scent trail, which oh, makes no. the stealth even that much more difficult. It's not just line of sight; <laughs> you have a scent trail. So oh when you got, I really hope they have an easy mode on this fucking game. Girl, I, I really do too. So they have a listen mode, and when you're in listen mode, you can see the trail where the dog is going to follow you. Oh, and if the dog picks up your scent, you can use like a brick or a bottle to like throw a distraction, and it will that will make the dog lose your scent, and so you can move to another area. But the problem I kept running into was that some of these areas that I was in had so many people patrolling. Mm. It was really difficult for me to get far enough away without kind of triggering somebody else within the set piece to get the dog to not pick up my scent again. And so once the dog picks up your scent, like you can try to run, but running will then alert you to any other human that's in the area. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, fine, I guess I'm murdering all these dogs. Yeah. No, you do what you got to do. It's like I either yeah. dog is going to eat my face off or I shoot this dog in the face. And like that sucked. And it was funny because I was talking to one of the uh, team members about it and how frustrated I was. I was like, I don't want to murder dogs. I don't want to murder dogs in a game. Like if they're like a zombie dog or some kind of monster <laughs> dog, if they're like a skag and or like or rabid dog. Yeah. Right. It doesn't feel like a real dog. These feel like real dogs that you're murdering. And I hate that. And then of course they're cheeky and they're like, well, you know, you can non-lethal the game. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I really said that to him. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. This is not a thing where like, you're going to be like, Oh, well you can non-lethal it. I was like, I was in a timed demo because mm-hmm. I'm at a preview event. So I clearly can't like take my time doing this as, as I would if I was playing at home. But also you have all of these crazy upgraded weapons, all of these bombs. You can make all of these abilities. Are you really trying to tell me that stealth was meant to be like the main priority mechanic here? Obviously not. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't give me all of these weapons. You wouldn't give me like a bow and arrow where I can stealth kill things. So like, yeah, I can non-lethal this playthrough, but you obviously didn't design the combat system for it to be non-lethal. That is just a way to play. So I got really frustrated. And also the button mapping as they had it was really challenging for me because I kept using R2 when I got into these melee situations and it just did not work. And I asked them if there will be button remapping and they would not give me a confirmation. They said, (laughs) we're not talking about that at this time. But then I asked about accessibility for button remapping and accessibility options. And the official answer was there will be more accessibility options in The Last of Us Part 2 than there were in The Last of Us. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's a win. Something. (laughs) But they said they weren't ready to talk about the full accessibility features at this time. Which I guess is fair. They still have a couple months left to work on it. But I got a little frustrated. I was like, okay, let me remap the buttons because this is terrible. The camera controls, still awkward. The slow pace of loading 
your weapon to switching weapons in the game still incredibly frustratingly slow if you get hit by a bullet you get this like really slow knockback stun animation where like ellie kind of like falls down and it takes like a beat beat for you to like get back up and when there's like an attack dog running at you and like four human npcs running to to you it's super anxiety inducing (laughs) and so like the combat felt frustrating to me and I didn't ask which difficulty level we were playing on. In hindsight, I probably should have. But I tried to look in the menus. And mm-hmm. they obviously had a lot of the menus locked off for the demo. But it was frustrating because I had this beautiful experience in the first demo. Mm-hmm. From storytelling, gameplay, narrative, animation, pacing, level design. All of it firing on all cylinders. Loved it. Second level, just absolute frustration with the camera controls in the third person shooting mechanics and naughty dog has never been the best at third person shooting because they're the best at a lot of other things (laughs) can't have it all but i had hoped if this is gonna be what neil Druckmann said is the biggest best game that naughty dog has ever made that there would have been some substantial technically it sounds like he just said the biggest (laughs) didn't say the best true so (laughs) how much of it do you think is you know, like we play a lot of games and you know when a game is just rigged to not be fair. It just almost feels like punishing versus possible. So how much of it do you think was punishing versus you just not being ramped up into everything at that moment? It's hard to say, but I absolutely want to make the caveat that I got thrown into a very advanced part of the game with no practice. Mm-hmm. So that was part of it. And with any kind of stealth mechanic and with a gun situation when you have to get used to how they shoot, how they fire, how fast they reload or not, you know, that does take some trial and error. That said, this is what they specifically chose to show members of the press. They did not do that lightly. There were lots of people that had eyes on this before they put it into my hands. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure other people had different experiences with the combat because when it comes to combat, everyone's you know, experience level is different. I just got really frustrated with it as I did when I played the first last of us. That was my least favorite part of that game was that it felt like they wanted me to stealth in certain sections, but if I didn't stealth it perfectly, I died. Like there were sections where I ran into clickers where if you don't stealth them perfectly, they'll one shot kill you, right? Like if you don't hit the button at exactly the right time to do the stealth kill, you're dead and you have to start it over. I will say, and kudos to Naughty Dog, the checkpointing system was much more forgiving Good. <laughs> in this demo than it was ever that I felt in The Last of Us when I played. Thanks so, for Jesus. Yeah. That's... So at least now when you die, yeah. you don't have to redo large sections of the level in order to get back to where you were. So I guess that is like the trade-off is like, well, you're going to die without fail. You will die. Sure. Um, but at least you don't have to like redo a lot of what you've already accomplished, but yeah, that's <sighs> like, um, when you're talking, it reminds me of the first game and what I felt its strengths were. And for me, the last of us was the best when actually there were, you were only fighting a few clickers, right? Like, or you were, mm-hmm. it, it was quiet. It was intense and you had to execute it perfectly. Or like you said, you kind of, you just, <laughs> you're shit out of luck. You died. Yeah. I, thought the last of us the original one was weakest when it was trying to be a little more uncharted so in particular the very last level i hated with a fiery passion thought it was completely out of place thought 
it just did not fit thematically with the entire rest of the game. And even there was a, a part um, in the, I forget where they were. They Were they in a mall? Wherever when, in the original when Joel gets hurt. I forget where they were. Mm. Um, I think they were a mall, like a strip mall or something. But even that stuff kind of, it, it was better than the last level, which was just like, whoa, run, gun, we're Rambo now. Um, but it still also felt a little off to me because I really liked that you didn't need to have too many enemies there for it to be scary and for it to mean something. And I, mm-hmm. I wish that Naughty Dog would kind of stick with that versus like what it sounds like you're saying where there's like five dudes on you and like three dogs and whatever. And like, you don't necessarily need, need all of that. Um, it's okay. I think if it's maybe like one or two levels, but if there's a lot of that, it's just going to, it's going to make the game feel very different and, which is fine, I suppose, but it's definitely not going to be what people would, I would think, expect. Yeah, it's hard. Based on the first one. I've talked about this, too. It's I understand it's kind of like the go-to, you know, especially in these post-apocalyptic games. And even, like, look at The Walking Dead and that TV series. Like, it always comes about becomes about the people, and the people always have to play some role. Humanity always turns on itself. And then you have these moments that I feel like kind of take you out of that post-apocalyptic immersion because it feels like every other game you've played. And... I agree with you, Simon. When you are faced with these like weird creatures that you're not used to, and you have to be tactical against them. And how are you going to do that? That's when the game like these like really shine. And I think of even like Days Gone, for example. You know, when you have to fight against the, the humans, it's like Ugh. I don't need. I want to. I want to experience th- this game through the eyes of someone who like it's not necessarily human versus human, but human versus infected or clickers or whatnot. Because that's what makes this game so unique. But it's like I guess it's hard to tell a story without having bad humans. Yeah, no, I, mean, it's I think Saga, you. I think you vocalize it perfectly, mm-hmm. talking about the strengths of the first game and the strengths of what makes the atmosphere so powerful and impactful. And you're right on the money in saying that, like fighting the infected is what makes the last of us, the last of us. And like these human factions, I think are obviously important and part of the story, but the combat is just not designed to make sense. And like the suspension of disbelief when it comes to the narrative of Ellie being this like mass murderer in the same way that Nathan Drake is a mass murderer in the uncharted series just doesn't fit as well. Obviously Ellie has done some bad stuff to survive. But the idea that I went through this one encampment and probably murdered close to 20 humans and like seven dogs on my path to get like through this one section, (laughs) just narratively there's a dissonance there that I think isn't being justified. And I get that there's a suspension of disbelief in the fantasy of a video game, but naughty dog tries so hard to make their narrative feel grounded in reality that that's when it feels like there's this tug of war between, hey, we want this to feel gritty and real and these emotions to feel real and these relationships to feel like they could p- be real. And also, but it's still a game and we got to make it feel like a game and give it some action because otherwise people won't want to play it because it'll just be too narrative focused. And I think that's kind of where the struggle is at right now. And it's tough because I don't know if the narrative parts of this game are going to be able to overcome that if they focus too much on that. And like you said, I hope that the balance is more towards being with the infective and having these quieter combat moments than that, because when it comes to like narrative experiences in combat next year, they're up against cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, true. it's like, damn. And I think that naughty dog is 
you know, we always look at them as like the de facto creme de la crop of, of video game development. And I don't know if they're going to nail this based off what I've seen. I hope that they do. I hope that we get to see more. And the story certainly has me hooked. I absolutely want to find out what happens with Ellie and Joel and all of these people that they've come to know. And I'm absolutely there for the narrative, but baby ass baby mode. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, there's no world in which I play this on any difficulty other than easy because I'm here for the story. Yeah. I'm not here for this, this clunky combat. So I don't want to murder dogs. Stop making me murder animals. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, I think the other part where you're talking about, like there's a dissonance, I I think it also, the, the other thing that also really bothered me about mass murdering a lot of people in this particular world is, like, there's already so few people left. Right. That like, like <laughs> are you just taking out, <sighs> like, an entire percentage of the population at this point when you go through one camp? Because, yeah. like, there's just, that's the part that always got me, and that's the part that really bothered me at the end of The Last of Us originally. Mm-hmm. I was like, you just murdered 50 people. Like, that's a lot of people. What? Like how <laughs> everything's how you, bad. How are you justifying this? I don't understand. Uh, and I, I think yeah, when Naughty Dog allows itself to tell its story and not worry too much about whether or not it is a quote unquote game, I think mm-hmm. that they do very well. Um they may be tripping over themselves a little bit trying to make sure that they hit those things that a gamer might expect, um, or like beef that that element of the game up. Um, just because if you don't do it properly and you don't get the pacing right, it impacts the story negatively. I can't imagine a story, even if it is revenge based, which would be the only thing you could do in order to justify killing this many people. So in my mind, it's a little bit of a cop out, um, Mm -hmm. and like have that develop naturally. And in a way that, that like sticks with the, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. Of course. It doesn't yeah. grow properly when all you're doing is just like straight murdering people um, over and over again. You're just kind of like, all right, this is, it just feels like any other game at that point. Right. And you need to allow those relationships and those reasons behind motivations to, to grow and breathe. Uh, so I, obviously, I haven't played this game. You were the only one that played it, but yeah. I do hope they and we fought, put yeah. that down. There's a lot of games that fall into that same. Thing. of course yeah. i think it's really easy um video games are hard and their pacing is really hard and it actually worries me that the first thing neil said was that this is the biggest game that they wanted to make because i have always been the person that says do not make a big game make a game that is like the size that it needs to be which sounds dirty but it's oh. like, but like you don't need it to be massive or whatever you need it to be well edited you need it to be well paced you need it. Yes, yeah, exactly. like that's what people want they don't want the world's biggest naughty dog game for it to just be full of like filled with filler nobody wants that people want what you did with the last of us and the last of us was not the world's biggest game but it was one of the world's best games so just keep focusing on that amen yeah. sister exactly uh, the final one I want to do say before I put a pin in this and we move on is that I absolutely understand that stealth and survival gameplay mechanics are a priority of this game when it comes to the combat. And one of the notes here that I missed talking about was that the one of the reasons I was frustrated was that the you know um, survival mechanics 
if I took down a guy with a gun who was shooting me, I picked up one bullet from him, but he was clearly shooting me with multiple bullets and it just felt like the balance was off. But that being said, as just a reminder, this is not final build. They are still polishing and balancing the game. The game is now coming out February 21st, 2020. We got the release date. So I'm still very much excited for this game. I just hope that they can make a couple final tweaks and also just, just give me baby ass. Yeah. One bullet. Huh. Yeah. Huh. The only one left. He bull- he used them all. Apparently every every enemy in the game uses all but one bullet by the time we take them down. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. how it works. All right. That is The Last of Us Part 2 preview. You know, I think I would really like to go to something completely different, which is Brittany. <laughs> honk, honk. Untitled <laughs> Goose Game. Yeah. Oh I haven't yeah. had to play this yet. Tell me all of it. Oh, my Tell God. Tell me about it. So it's... It's I am known in my relationship as a gnome. And for those of you like wondering what the hell does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything. It's just a title my husband has given me because I slightly inconvenience his life sometimes. Maybe I'll put something where it doesn't belong or maybe I'll, you know, do something that he wasn't expecting and now he has to put forth extra effort to make it happen. And so Entitled Goose Game is a game where essentially in my husband's terms you are a gnome and you are there to just slightly inconvenience people in their day-to-day routines. So this, this is a game sounds like the greatest game ever created. <laughs> Dude, so this is a game developed by House House, and I love that they kept the title Untitled Goose Game. And so it just kind of drops you in this, this like, big sandboxy area, and there's different little areas, and it's all seamless. It's not like there's loading screens or anything like that, and you just kind of go from, like, area to area. Think of, like, you have, like, this map in front of you, and there's a little area with a swimming pool down here, and then up here, here's a woman having a garage sale, and then over here, here's a man and a woman working out in their yard or working in their yard. And you can just kind of go from place to place. And when you enter a different location, you get a to-do list. So the to-do list can be anything from make a picnic, which requires you to steal someone's food and put it in a picnic basket. Or it can be, um, you know, get the boy trapped in a phone booth. And what that requires you to do is honk at a boy and he gets scared and he runs off and he locks himself in a phone booth. And then, like, objective completed. And then, like, to add on to that, you have to get on TV. So this is an actual mission in the in the game and you're in this little like parking lot area there's this cute little like unsuspecting child playing with an airplane and a soccer ball and there's like a lady over to the right having a garage sale and then a little bit north of him is a tv store where they have they do like production and whatnot so first thing you have to do is you have to honk at this boy and you get him trapped in the phone booth and that cool mission you know accomplished your next mission is to get on tv so what happens is you get the boy trapped in the phone booth And then he calls the person in the production studio because he's locked in there. He's locked himself in. He can't get out. So then that person runs out. And then while she's helping him, you have to run into her studio, turn on the on-air button, and then you flap around. And now all of a sudden you're on TV. And you're like this goose just like doing all sorts of weird shit. And it's just such a chill game. You can't die in this game. The only thing that happens if you like bother. Yeah, if you bother anyone too much, they just like shoo you away. And for example, there's the woman who's having the garage sale. And if you get too close, she'll like take her broom and kind of like shut, like, you know, like push you away with it. But you can actually like grab onto her broom and you have a tug of war and then you break her broom. And that's actually an objective. So like you did it. And you can just go around and just bother people. And so the main controls are, you know, you can run, you can walk. And whenever you walk, it makes this really cute, like, slap, 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 slap sound of the geese's feet, like, hitting <laughs> waddle, the pavement. Waddle, waddle. You can honk whenever you want. And it's just 
so good. You can take it's out your wings. It's a game where you get to be the most annoying thing exactly. on the planet. Exactly. Yeah, you can like flap your wings around. You can crouch down and pick stuff up. Um, you know, you can like grab people's clothes and run off with them. You can just do almost whatever you want. And it's physics based and the character AI is relatively good, so you can kind of experiment if you want to try to get someone to do something. So one of the objectives it was have someone accidentally break the vase. And so there's a man and a woman, they're neighbors, and there's just like a short little fence dividing them, and they're both out in their yard. And the woman is a painter, and she has like this beautiful vase just sitting on a table. And you go over to her, you know, you'll break into her like her yard by tearing down the fence. And you go in there, and you pick up the vase, and then you drop it. And she picks it up, and then you honk at her. She drops it, but the vase doesn't shatter. So you're thinking like, okay, I have to do something else. So what I did is I stole this lady's bra because I wanted to try something. I stole her bra off the clothesline and I threw it into her neighborhood. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a goose, man. It's okay. <laughs> I took her bra and I threw it into the man's yard. And I noticed that the man picked up the bra and then just like threw it back over to her yard. So I thought, hmm. So I grabbed the vase and I snuck it because it's really cute because to pick anything up that's heavy, the goose like drags it across the ground and it looks like a dog like trying to play tug of war or something. It's adorable. And so I grabbed the vase and I threw it into the man's, well, I drug it into the man's yard and then he like picked it up and being the stupid human he was, he threw it over to the other side and then it shattered. I completed the objection. Then I got to watch those two fight. It was just like, it's just really cute and it's just a really chill game to play. Um, And it's really fun to see a lot of people getting a lot of joy out of it, especially, you know, kids. They're just like loving it, and I'm, you know, I'm also a, a child myself. But it's really fun, and it's just uh, perfect for uh, the Switch. Just absolutely perfect for it. And I would definitely recommend playing it. It's I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but it's it's really fun. It's just a fun chill. Let's kill some time. Let's just see what happens. It's hilarious. This game would be perfect for co-op as well. I understand that creates more complications with how do things work, but it would be like the perfect co-op party game. It looks awesome, and I can't wait to play. Have you played on a Nintendo Switch Lite? No, I have not. You don't have a Nintendo Switch Lite? mm I think we might need to buy one for science. For science. You know, I, I've i heard really good things about them. You know, I heard that they're nice and light and the battery power is great, but I just don't want to deal with the stupid primary and non-primary Switch issues. And, mm. you know, it's, uh, and I only like, you know, whatever, it's fine. But, yeah, I don't really know if I would need one, but I think it would be the perfect thing for Steinware to try for science because she doesn't yeah. play her shit docked. I sure don't. Okay, no. well, But I was maybe... also kind of like, why wouldn't I just get the nicer Switch with the new battery that's better than the Switch Lite? That's... I guess the difference is that it's heavier, and that's yeah, it, but... right? Yeah, that's it. It's One's heavier. heavier than the other. It has a little slightly bigger screen, you know, less battery life. You lose the rumble if you care Doesn't about that in the light. Doesn't the new improved Switch have the best battery of the yes. three? Yes. Isn't it? Oh, like yeah, you're right. improved Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Switch you're right. Light, Correct. OG Switch. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. why I'm like, why would I not just, I just want to get the new and improved Switch. There you go. Because, <laughs> like, I don't mind. I mean, granted, I will agree it's probably nicer to have the weight of the lighter one. Mm-hmm. But I don't super hate the current weight. Yeah. So why not? There that's a go. good point. I know that GameStop was doing a trade-in deal, but I wonder if you trade it in, if they'll allow you to do your data transfer before you have to turn over the old one. I think they do, because I think I saw photos of people actually doing that in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would be... That would be clutch. Maybe we do that for science. For science, yeah, yeah we got to test it out. You know, we got to know. Do you want to do that about. together this weekend? There you go for science. 
We could, but I think we have to finish Gears 5 first. What does that have to do with the Switch? Well, that'll take time for us to go there. Oh, okay. Sure. I also have to check if GameStop is still doing that deal. Yeah. I don't know if it um, was like... It says until September... Oh, no. Yeah, September 15th. Ah, oh, drat. <laughs> Damn. We missed it. We got... We, we fucked up. See, there was no way for you to transfer your data, though, because the new... I thought the new Switch... Maybe oh, wait, never mind. The new improved Switch is already, was already on sale. That's well, maybe they'll do it again later in the year, and then we'll do it for science. Maybe, yes. For science. Maybe around Black Friday. Yeah, exactly. For science. Yeah. Um, but, Brittany, you also play dun-dun-dun. Or should I say da 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 uh, I am so proud of you. Thank you. You're so good. Yeah, um, Link's Awakening. So this is... So good and it's so cute. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, so the original Link's Awakening came out in 1993, and then a revised version, new and improved. Think of it that way. Link's Awakening DX came out in 1998, and my understanding is that this Link's Awakening remake is mostly based off of DX because it has this extra color dungeon in there and some other things. So, Link's Awakening begins. And what's so great about this game is that they. Nothing has really changed about it. It's like literally the exact same game, just a fresh coat of paint, all the same writing, everything else. Anyway, so it starts and you are on the shore of Koholint Island and you're like, how the hell did I get here? No one knows. And with your appearance on the island, now there's all these new monsters that, of course, appeared and you need to for some reason, awaken this thing called the windfish, which resides in a giant egg on top of this mountain. You, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. You do that by gathering eight instruments, and then you play the song Battle of the Windfish, I think is the song that you play, and then uh, it apparently delivers you back home. And so, like, every, you know, OG Zelda game, if you've played A Link to the Past or even A Link Between Worlds, you kind of have an idea of how this plays out. You know, you have this world and it's, you know, each screen is its own grid and they obviously all flow into like one big map. And there are different dungeons. There are heart containers to find. There are seashells to collect. And if you collect enough of these, you get like an epic sword. Um, it's kind of like the gold scotola and other collectibles that, you know, have continued throughout the Zelda games. And you do dungeons and you get, it's kind of Metroidvania in the sense that, you know, you can only access certain parts of the map um, after you have certain gear. So it's just like a very, like, old school OG Legend of Zelda game. And what's really cool for me is I played this back in the day, but it was a little, like, a link to the past. I didn't finish it because when I was younger, it was just, it didn't have enough direction for me. It was very much, you know, like, just they throw you in there and you can, in, in this game, you can talk to some old man and he'll tell you kind of, like, where you need to go. But I don't think I was old enough to quite understand that concept back in the day. So I never finished it. So for me, it's like I'm playing an old school classic Zelda game for the first time. And I am just hooked. Jason and I started playing it together. And then he decided football. You know, he wanted to watch like football day Sunday and Monday. And I'm like, that's cool. I'll Typical. Watch yeah, I'm like, I'll watch the Seahawks. But if you think I'm not playing Link's Awakening, just so you know, you can watch football. I'm like, you're out of your damn mind. So I've just been kind of going it alone on my own. And it's fun because it reminds me of being, you know, I don't know, like how old I was when A Link to the Past came out, like six or seven, where all I did in that game was just kind of wander around. And you look on your map and you see this cool area in the corner. And you're like, I'm going to go try to figure out how to get to there. So you go there and you have all your inventory that you're trying to like master and figure out what gets you wet or how you can get to certain locations using certain gear. And it's it's a really, really cool thing, and it's a really cool opportunity because I know there aren't a lot of games out there like this that do allow you to kind of re-experience a classic for the first time, and that's kind of what this is for me. 
So the improvements that this game has is like I was saying, like you have more heart pieces, you have more seashells, so you can get like a really cool sword. Um, there's more fast travel spots, which is really nice. And you actually have bottles in this game, which means you can collect fairies. So if you need to replenish your hearts, they will, you know, you can pop open a bottle and eat a fairy or whatever fairies do to you. I don't what? really know. I don't know. The fairies? Well, they just like spin around you and then they disappear. So it's like, what happens to them? Do they disintegrate? They left. They like, where they want to get the hell away from you. You trapped them in a bottle. But like, I feel it. Well, that's a nice way of thinking about it. It's like a. They're like, peace out, bitch. Peace out. I'm going to heal you alone. Out of here. Um, Unlike other Zelda games, though, and I, well, maybe this is only a newer thing, but if you do die and you have a fairy in a bottle, it won't automatically revive you. You have to go to Crazy Tracy and get her cream that she's going to rub all over you. I'm not even making this up. Wow, so dirty. <laughs> um, obviously, you can now the map has pins, so that's really helpful because if you played a Zelda game, you know that there's a lot of things you're going to find, like heart pieces or secrets that you can't quite access yet, so you have to leave. Um, so it's nice to be able to pin the map. And um, obviously, there are chamber dungeons, which is kind of, you know, create your own dungeon. I haven't done this yet. I haven't dived into it. I think I probably will because you get heart containers and heart pieces from it. And I have to get, like, my full two stacks of hearts to feel like an OG badass. Um, and then, oh, inventory management's really nice as well. Because in the old Link's Awakening, my, my memory is that you only had two buttons. And that was your sword and shield. And if you wanted to use anything else, you had to map it. Which means you either had to lose your sword or your shield. So now, the shield and the sword is auto-mapped to, like, B and R. So now you have two free buttons to, you know, like, map whatever you want. It would have been nice to have more. But, like, hey... Beggars can't be choosers, um, but no, it's 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 really quirky. It's definitely, I think, I would say it's weirder than Majora's Mask. It's different. Oh, that's a big that's a big thing. Weirder than because Majora's Mask is out there. Oh, it's very yeah. much out there, and this could be because this was. I have my old memories of playing this game when I was really young, so maybe like that's what's making me feel like it's weirder. But it's definitely on par. So. It's a different game, and like I was saying earlier, what's so cool is like the writing hasn't been changed at all. So when you're playing it, a lot of the writing just seems weird, and it makes no sense. And you can tell now that you know the writing was put there because probably because of some sort of like limitations and who knows what. But it's just really quirky. And there's Mario enemies, and there's there's chain chomps, there's Goombas, there are all sorts of like things that are Mario crossover. There's a picture of Peach somewhere at one point. Um, yeah, and it's a. Uh, once as you play the game there is i guess what you'd consider a twist and then it kind of makes some sense but it's it really makes me appreciate this game because it's definitely out there in terms of zelda games it's definitely very different um in terms of you know like story and and writing like the gameplay is all the same but it's really fun i'm really loving it and i think you two would really like it too i know it's time where you've played it at preview events and whatnot yeah it's really it looked good. cute, but it was difficult for me to get a hang a hangle live the, the hangle handle a hangle handle uh, on the uh, the controls. Like when I was trying to feed that stupid enemy bombs, I was not doing it well. And yeah. I was like, I think it's because of the way the camera is, and there's something off about looking at it. From I don't know, I'm not used to it because I've I've never really played Zelda games before. Right. Yeah, and that was another example of them just kind of throwing you in, you know, because they give you they put you in this room. And you open, you know, you take the jars and you throw them and inside are bombs. And if you've played a lot of Zelda games, you know, if, I, if they are giving you bombs and they continually respawn, you probably want to stock up on them. 
But, you know, if you're not familiar with that tactic, then, yeah, Steimer found herself in a boss fight where she literally didn't have enough bombs to defeat these things. And so she had to, like, go back and backtrack, and it was kind of frustrating for her. Yeah, yeah. it was not, not the greatest experience, but that's yeah. totally fine. It makes yeah. sense. No, it's, it's great. I love it. Now they need to do a link to the past. Oh. Yes. Oh. Everything chibi all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Steimer. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your continued experiences in Gears and Borderlands or should we wait until next week? Well, no, because we have to tell the story of how Brittany and I actually played a video game together. <gasps> oh, That's yeah. right. I almost forgot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Brittany had offered because I was like, what the fuck's up with this fight? It's a boss fight called the matriarch. You'll get there. You'll understand. Um, And I was just like, I can't do this with the AI. Like the AI is not helping me out in a way that I need. And quite frankly, I don't have time to sit here and like beat my head against this wall for however long it takes for fucking Dell to get his head out of his ass and start helping me. And so I texted her and she was like, yeah, I think we're around this weekend. And I was like, okay, so we had a short window before her. she was going to go watch the Seahawks game. And, and I had just gotten back from kayaking and shower and stuff. And I was like, okay, great. Let's go. Let's do, like, let's, let's do this. Let's go. And then I accidentally screwed it up. Oh, and I made us go back to the beginning of the checkpointed air. Like the very, like we were, the whole thing is like you go through this facility and then the end is the boss fight. Like, so like a normal thing. I accidentally restarted us to the beginning where you're outside of the facility and you have to go through oh, the whole no. thing again. And I was like, oh my God. Oh Thank my God. God. And I was, like, and I was like, cut yeah, no, I literally was like, I'm so sorry, guys. We probably don't have time to do this. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to like, you know, mess up your game. And there was, Jason was like, no, you know, come on, let's, yeah, we can try like, it. We got this. And so we did. And we blasted through that thing. Like it goes so much faster with real people than AI. <laughs> Holy smokes. I did not realize <laughs> We got through that whole thing in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, we got to the boss fight, which I think took us four or five tries mm-hmm. um, because the boss is just mechanically very difficult and it, it just requires a lot of like coordination. There's... And if you can't coordinate like you can't with AI, it's going to be a bad time. Because there's a very, very specific way. When Jason and I played this, we probably died 20 times before we were able to get it. And even then, half of it's pure luck. Because this boss has a one-hit kill. Like, not even, like, they, she knocks you down and someone revives you. It's, like, legit, she hits you and you're, like... It's game over. Yeah, and, and you're you have to fodder. Ruin. Yeah. And it's Annoying. a very specific way you have to defeat this bitch. And it, uh... The best part of the whole thing, and this is why I will always continue to play games with Steimer, is <laughs> Jason and I, I played as Jack, which is really fun. He's definitely like the the healer, buffer, whatever class that is. Because he's the robot. He's the robot, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Jason and I are like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I imagine like war paint on us, like our teeth are gritting. We're like, yeah, we got this. And all I hear on the fucking microphone is Steimer on the headset just squealing. Like, I've never heard her squeal before. All I hear is, Bleh! I was terrified, terrified the whole time. I was dodge rolling like an idiot around this The matriarch level. wasn't even around you, and you're just flipping around. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, ah, ah, where is she? I don't know. I was scared. Like, I was just, like, really nervous. I did not like it. I was just oh squealing constantly. And then they were laughing at me, and I was like, ah, ah, like get me out of here. Uh, but then we did it. And we got past it and then we like we waited and we were like, we need to make sure we oh. hit a checkpoint so yeah. that we we don't screw this up and I don't get kicked back here by myself with no 
with my dumb AI partners. Um, oh and, but it works. And then, so I've been playing the game alone since then. But your your service was greatly appreciated. That was so much fun. <laughs> uh, well, but I, if you wait for me, I'll finish the game with you. I'm on Act Four, so you better hurry up. I'm in Act Two, so I, I can. I think I can power through. Uh, here's the thing. So, I'm like really good at shooters, Steimer. I don't know if you know. Not debating oh, that. So it's uh, actually so something that Brittany brought up before on a show that I don't think you were on, Andrea. Was the open world bits. Um, and at first I was like, oh, they weren't, you know, the one I was in that wasn't that bad. I really liked it. And like the, it felt appropriate and everything and blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't really mind. I actually thought it felt like a nice change of pace. I do not feel this way about the second one. <laughs> I feel the exact opposite <laughs> way about the second one. The second one can die in a fucking fire. I hate it so much. I'm so glad I'm out of there. I don't know that I've yeah. disliked the section more. <laughs> That's not true. I definitely have. But it was it was just rough. It was a rough go. Yeah. They, what was they, rough about it? I mean, the environment itself is no longer as hospitable, meaning sometimes you are racing against both the environment and this objective. And it's kind of like the things... So, for instance, like there's sandstorms with like fire tornadoes hmm. and the fire tornadoes okay. will pick up your skiff and like throw you around. But you're still trying to get straight like you're still trying to go to a place, but you're just getting knocked around constantly from the wind. And it's just like and the other irritating part to me on that was your stupid AI. But this is all scripted, of course. But like the AI buddies scripted lines are like, come on, Kate. Why aren't you driving? Drive faster. Why are we going to miss objective? And I was like, are you? I will kill all of you right here. Fire tornado. Hell? Let's go. Shut up. I'm going to drive straight into the fire tornado <laughs> because I'm taking all of you out with me. It was just so irritating. I was like, shut up. Um, and then the map was, it felt really unnecessarily large. That's what she said. The second one. The first one I felt good about. The second one. Yes, exactly, Brittany. Um, and it, there was objectives. It's just like, go 6,000 meters away. Uh-huh. And you're like, why? Why? Why is it 6,000? Because we built this skiff, Steimer, and we really want you to ride around on our cool-ass skiff. That is exactly what it felt like and exactly why I didn't like it. There was a lot of, of sections like there where it just felt like, well, we already built this thing. Let's just try and use it as much as possible and not build the mission layout in a way that makes a lot of sense necessarily. Like you may need to go back and forth a few times and you're just like, come on, man, where's fast travel? If I unlock a a location, let me fast travel back and forth. I don't want to have to ride this stupid thing for 20 minutes. It's like you're complaining about the horses in Red Dead. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. you're like, there's no way for you to just get there. You just got to strap onto the skip and go. Which at least we got fancy horse butts to look at in Red Dead. Shiny horse butts. I know. But I mean, I do still really like the game. I just was, I thought that that particular open world was just not doing it for me. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. It's not like, I didn't hate it. It wasn't terrible. It was just not great when the rest of the pacing of the game is great. It's like, why? And even, yeah, in the first open world, I still felt the pacing was I like that one. The second one fell off. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the, I'm basically at the end of the game now, so I think it's going to be fine from here on out. But um, yeah, and I, I guess uh, if you are playing with AI, be prepared to be a little frustrated at certain parts. End of chapter two, man. And uh, two. yeah, no, three, two, three, two. two. Yeah, two. two. End of act uh, two. Act end two. of act. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Act two. 
And then there was a couple things that were happening in Act th- Three, um, where I was literally playing this last, no, the day, day before. And the enemies just, or no, sorry, not the enemies. My AI buddies just kept running straight into the enemies, yeah. just running straight for them. And I was like, "What are you doing? Stop <laughs> it! Get your ass behind me!" Like, what do you like? Instead of like trying to pick them off, they were just running full force and into you don't have... snatchers and yeah. into scions. And I was what? like, "What? This oh. is not going to end well for you." Oh my what god! Why? And then they would die, and then I would reload the checkpoint, and I was like, "This is." Maybe Stupid. this is why they build in commands when you have multiple people in your party. Yes, yeah. because holy smokes, do not let them do what they want to do on their own. <laughs> they sometimes just want to commit suicide. I don't understand they it. They Leroy Jenkins it. They really, they were, they were doing Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, stop, stop, get back, come back, come back. <laughs> I did get through it, but like. There was one, a couple rounds where they like slowly became smarter and then started to tank back. And I was like, AI. Okay. And then finally there was one where they all hung back where I was. And I was like, yes, thank you. And we got through it. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Stop it. Fools. Fools. Fly, you fools. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that sounds fun. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm happy to hop in and help you if you want to run through it too. Thank <laughs> Again, you. When Brittany and I played, I was like, that went so fast. But then again, I was also skipping all the cutscenes. But yeah, that helps. Yeah. Jack is OP and it's great. Everyone should play as Jack at least once. Excellent. I want to try. Yeah. Um, especially since I have to get it all in before Shadowkeep comes out next week. <laughs> ah, very exciting. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our hands on impressions for this week. It's been a doozy of an episode so far. Did I say that at the end of the first segment? Pretty sure I did. Yep. I'm just repeating myself now. That's okay. All right. Let's take our final break of the show. When we come back, we're at answering your Patreon question of the month. What's it going to be? Well, you're just going to have to wait around and find out. You tease. We'll be right back. everybody welcome back it is the final segment of the what's good games podcast and this week it's brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games that's right it's that time of the month we give our fantastic shout outs to our mythic members and above it's gonna be awesome (laughs) we get a weird one star review from somebody that's like why do they just keep reading people's names in every episode we got a two-star review. Like that. Yeah, we, all we do is mispronounce names. I mean, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we do mispronounce a lot of names. But we want to say a big thank you to everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash what's good games because you guys make what's good games possible. If we didn't have your support, we wouldn't be able to go to events like PAX West where we had a fantastic meetup or go to E3 or to put on a show for you every week. So we rely on you. And if you guys want to contribute to helping keep the lights on at What's Good Games, you can be like these fantastic folks. Let's start. And then Steimer will go and then Brittany will go. Perfect. Yeah. With Aaron Saxton. Adam Kynaston. Adrian of Rock Williams. Al Tribesman. Alberto Andreas Videla. Alex Al- Rigop- Rigop- Oh, sorry. I stepped on you. It's okay. I liked it. Alex Rogopoulos. 
Andrew Cotton. Andrew Susan. Ariel Furman. Bill Stillwell. Billy Shibley. Brendan Clark. Brian Harper. Brian R. Johnson. Brian Sweeney. Brooke Lurie. Asia Harris. Carl Peterson. Chewy's godson. Chris Wilson. Shy Jackson Burgess. Christian Rodriguez. David I. Colucci. Devin Nitz. The Nachos and Ichi on the Fab. E. Benjamin Chess. Elizabeth Brooke. Elmo Shell. Emily Kent. Ferris Ate. Gio Corsi. Ivan Bajarano. Jacob Irnetti. Jacob Safari. Jake Sue. Jared Howard. Jasmine Lee. Jason Demech. <laughs> Jessica Bloom. Joe Kennison. Joe Schlieff. Joe Wilson. John Drake. I love that guy. He's <laughs> Joselle Bassa. Justin Foshi. Justin Foss. Kia B. Kaya Kyle Kissler. Lucas Cheney. La Lessic. Formerly Marco cool Antiveros. Marcus Brown. Mark Drustrup. Martha Martha Emery. Marty. <laughs> it's okay. Marty McFly. He's from the future. Wow. Matthew Goldair. Matthew Simpson. Melanthius Owens. Michael S. Michaela Sage. Mohammed Mohammed. Malay Bittner. Nambui. Nathan Watkins. Nicole Humphrey. Noah. Noel? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, my brain was going Joel. Noel. Noel Navarez. Noel. Ozzy Makia. Paige Porter. Patrick Higgins. Patrick Deer Landry. <laughs> Patrick Weller. Paul Bryant. Pete Shoemaker. Professor Metal Gear. Punk to fat. <gasps> I got pure blue octopus. <laughs> RJ Bryan. Reagan Emerson. Rob Leonard. Robert Adams. Roland Bala. Russ Annie. Sam. Sean I. Sean Stevenson. Steph Wu. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Sydney Khan. Tara Bruno. Mm -hmm. Teresa Enert. The Ghost Dog 420 Man. <laughs> Throw seven. Sorry, you threw me off. Timothy Bennett. <laughs> Tony Shea. Trent Berry. Trent Pennington. Trevor Snacky. Tyler McCall. Varun. Will Collin. Will Hernandez. And Zach Hershey. Kiss. Oh, now I want some chocolate. Thank oh, you yeah. so much to all of our fantastic mythic members and above. We love you guys, and thank you for supporting all that we do. Side note, if you heard about me talking about the Fargo meet and greet and Extra Life event, uh, my moms are going to be there. You might have met them at the PAX West event last year for WGG, and they're coming to Fargo. They're the best. Um, anyway. Now on to our question. Brittany, would you care to explain? Yes. So every month as part of the Patreon, or part of being part of being part of our Patreon, that's a tongue twister, you find folks, our patrons, get to choose and vote on a topic you'd like us to talk about once a month during the third segment of our show. And this month, y'all voted on the topic of, <clears throat> if you could give a TED Talk on a subject unrelated to video games, what would it be? I feel like Andrea's is the easiest one in the world because it's what she's drinking. Well, I, <laughs> okay, well. So I thought about this and I was like, would I give a TED talk on wine and wine culture? And I feel like a TED talk needs to be more elevated and more aimed at bettering yourself or educating yourself about something that maybe you hadn't thought of. 
And one of the things that I have learned over the last year, because I got the distinct pleasure of moderating a panel with Sila Hodenton is about unconscious bias and how that kind of affects your whole life. And so while it would be really fun to talk about wine, I don't mm-hmm. think it would be a good TED talk per se. Why not? I think you could talk about the wines that will open up your life. <laughs> Just like it opens up that glass, opens up the bouquet. Ooh. I could maybe, if I did enough research and brought on some expert guests or quoted some experts, talk about how wine is actually pretty healthy for you when used in moderation. Ah, I've Mm -hmm. heard that. Well, I recently got a physical and did a full blood work panel, and my doctor said that my cholesterol is excellent. And you're like, it's all the wine. It's the wine. It's true. Wine is good for your cholesterol. (laughs) But again, it's in moderation. We're talking like a one or two. Like a bottle a day. day. Mm. Yeah, just like one (laughs) or two bottles a day. You know, (laughs) not that much. (laughs) No, that would get really expensive pretty quickly. Yeah, it would. Um, But no, I love talking about wine. But I love the idea of um, TED Talks as being something that is exploring an idea that helps enrich your life and helps make you a better human being uh, from a variety of standpoints. And I've known several people that have done TED Talks and I feel like I'm like wildly unqualified to do a TED Talk. Oh, yeah. Oh, I I mean, same. Yeah. yeah. I love all of us and we're all fantastic humans, but I mean, you know, I don't know. None of these are going to be like the world's greatest TED Talks. We're not delivering a TED Talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, They'll be like passable TED Talks. That's all I'm looking for. I was actually going to Google what is a TED Talk. To see like what like the actual definition is. Mm. Um, yeah, so TED is, it says on their website, TED.com, is a nonprofit devoted to spreading ideas, usually in the form of short, powerful talks, 18 minutes or less. Yes. Okay. You know, I don't really know what I have to offer the world, but I, <laughs> I hope it's something. Um I was trying to think about this and I'm like, I'm not really sure. Actually, I, I was like, oh, I think I would talk about that. And now just hearing you talk, Andrea, I was like, oh, that's a stupid thing. Why don't, <laughs> I, why don't I read the the four trending TED Talks and then the okay. four editors picks from TED.com. Go ahead. The four trending ones that are on the first page are see how the rest of the world lives organized by income, how China is changing the future of shopping. The world's largest family reunion were all invited and a visual history of human knowledge. The editor's picks are a librarian's case against overdue book fines, a (laughs) playful solution to the housing crisis, how a male contraceptive pill could work and what baby boomers can learn from millennials at work and vice versa. Yeah, see, those are all like really fascinating topics. I would. Right? So you were you were gonna do unconscious bias? Was that gonna be yours that you were talking about? Yeah, but now that I've talked about it mm-hmm. a little bit, I've kind of talked myself out of that because, like I said, wildly unqualified oh. to talk about it. But sure. Celia Hood isn't. But I got to moderate a panel with her, and I thought it was really fascinating learning about what unconscious bias is. Sorry, I'm like playing with a USB drive. No, I'm fidgeting over here too. I need to like get my hands away from anything. So I'm just gonna do this. Hands <laughs> up, fidgeting. Um. What I would think I could be actually good at talking about on a TED Talk would be about why working hard is more important than being smart. And that could like be the name of my TED Talk. And mm. I could like do a whole talk about like 
why putting more effort in is sometimes, if not most of the time, more valuable than being the smartest person in the room. Oh, it's, uh, I think it's 100% more valuable as yeah. someone who's still currently in an office environment. I don't want the smartest person in the room. I want the most willing to work person in the room. I want them to be a little bit smart. I don't want them to be super oh, dumb. Yeah. That would be, <laughs> but, or they need to have, be able to take direction. They need to have competency. Of course, of course. But there's been my kind of philosophy of life is that, you know, I haven't got to where I am today by being the smartest person in the room because I am clearly not. There are many people that are smarter than me. But goddamn, if you're going to find somebody that works harder than I do, because I like put all of my time and energy in the projects that I really love. And that was always my thing in school and why I worked my butt off to get straight A's. And I told the story on one of our secret <laughs> segments about what I did when I got a B from a teacher <laughs> and how bad I got and all the work I had to do. I literally had to take an entire class over um, a whole semester to get the B off my record, but I did it because I had a goal and I knew what I wanted. And I said to the teachers, I want to do whatever it takes to reach my goal, no matter how much I have to work extra. Cause like clearly I wasn't good enough to get the grade that I wanted to get the first try, but hopefully you'll see my willingness to work as motivation that I deserve the grade because I'm willing to put the work in, even if I wasn't smart enough to get it the first time. And thankfully I was part of a school system that allowed me to do that. And I think that that really translates into the workplace as an adult is that you really have to sometimes find a workplace environment that's going to allow you to work really hard to achieve your goals. And not every workplace is like that. There's, it's been a struggle for me as an adult to find a place that will allow me to work really hard to achieve my goals versus saying, Hey, this is your role. Stay mm -hmm. in your role, stay in your lane. Don't cross into anybody else's role or anybody else's department. Just do your job and that's it. And I really struggle to flourish in those kinds of environments, which is why I ultimately decided to work for myself. Yep. So I was like, Hey, you know what? If I make the rules about how hard I get to work or not work, then I am, I'm going to be the one who bears the fruit of my labor or who's going to bear the failures exactly. of, you know, where I am lacking. You know, if I don't do the work and if I don't put in the time, the person that's going to suffer is me and right. obviously you too. <laughs> uh, but hopefully you don't think that I've failed you in any way. <laughs> No, and if I, actually, yeah, let's talk about it later not on the show. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to out all of our dirt. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We don't even really have any dirty laundry. But yeah. it's actually interesting when you said that this is not a thing I'd be qualified to t talk about. And it probably already exists. But one of the things that I notice the most that, or at least with parents nowadays and like their kids, is a lot of them will not teach their kids how to fail. And mm -hmm. I think that that is really damaging. Mm -hmm. And so even when you're talking about like, I want to work as hard as I can to reach my goal. That is great, but also I think it's important to teach kids that sometimes you can work really hard and not get it, and that's okay. Absolutely. And, like, it's such a powerful and, like, really deeply hurtful lesson to learn, but, like, that's kind of life, and it's what people need to get through it, you know? It's, it's just to be like, okay, I know what this feels like. It sucks, but I also know that I can get through it, and I can continue forward and move on, and how to maybe, like, not let it completely shoot down your goal, but maybe you adjust that goal or you figure out a way to pivot in a way that it works for you. Um, mm -hmm. but I feel like that that is something that is not really being taught now. It's just sort of like either everyone succeeds, everyone gets a trophy, every, not even everyone gets, I, I got everyone on our 
basketball teams and soccer teams got a trophy. We all got participation trophies. I'm not screwed up. So I don't think the trophies <laughs> are the problem. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I, I think that probably wasn't the best example because I, too, got a lot of T-ball trophies back in my day, and I don't think I'm screwed up. No, I think failure is, is a word everyone's scared of. And the thing about failure is it's a beautiful thing that causes you to grow and adapt as a human. And there's that quote by Thomas Edison, which is, I haven't failed. I, I haven't pulled up. I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And I think that's so crucial, you know, as being a human being, we're not perfect. We're all flawed in our own ways. But as long as we keep trying, like Andrew said, working hard, I think we can overcome those moments and be better because of it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I think if I were to do a TED Talk, I don't know if I'm necessarily qualified for this, but I have been told I'm a very chill, relaxed person. But I think uh, what I would like to talk about is how fleeting life is and how... Life is so short, and I think so many people get caught up in silly, trivial matters that weigh them down and damages their day-to-day life and functions that, you know, they aren't in, they, they aren't trimming the fat, and they're not seeing life through this lens of, you know, take control of your life. Like, you have power over yourself, and obviously there's going to be trials and tribulations in life, death and mourning and terrible things that happen to you, and of course, like... You need to heal from that, and that's totally, I think, and personally very reasonable. But it's, I think, when people tend to get caught up in, as the kids call it, the stupid drama, the the pettiness, the the things that really won't matter when you're on your deathbed. I think that is something that I wish I could instill in more people. You know, not every family is perfect, but you know, speaking from experience, I have a very large family, and there are currently relationships in my family that are strained just because people have too much pride and ego. We're talking like 50 plus years of relationships. And it's just sad to think about, you know, everyone's, I'm not trying to go like get deep right now, but it's like, you know, everyone's getting older, like every day, you know, it could literally be your last. And if you hold on to such negativity and such stuff that drags you down, you, it, it's kind of like that thing where I don't know about you ladies, but sometimes it takes like a death in the family or something really tragic to happen where you're like, wow, life is fleeting. Mortality is a real thing. And it kind of snaps you back into it, you know, for like a hot minute. But then as time progresses, the day to day life and stresses and whatnot kind of pull you out of that. And you forget that like every day that you have is a gift. And you try to make the most of it. And that's something that I've kind of, I don't know about self-taught. That's not really it. But that's kind of a motto of mine is, you know, life is short. This is your one chance. Make the most of it. Do the best you can. Trim the fat. If someone in your life is negative or bring you down and you've tried to work it out but you can't, it's time to let it go. Wish them the best. Don't have to be negative about it. But just having that mentality really gives you a a clean, like, lens into life. And I think it's a healthy one. Yeah, girl. I came up with the name for your TED Talk. You ready? Yeah. It's called Simmer Down, How to Skim the Fat of Your Life. Nice. Dude, that's my next book that I'll never write. That's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's actually funny, Brittany, that you're talking about that um, because it reminds me so much. One of the things that sort of triggered a change in me was when I was talking with my aunt. This was several years ago. And she mentioned – or I was talking to her, and I don't remember why, but I asked her – do you have any friends like you honestly like don't really like like but you just feel kind of obligated to stay friends with them and she kind of laughed and she was like honey at my age you don't have time for that anymore oh I love it (laughs) and I I thought about it and I was like why would I have to wait until I'm like 67 years old Mm -hmm. to have this sort of mentality why don't I just have this mentality right now and I do and so uh, to me I will give you a fair shot and I'll give you a couple of chances, but to me, I'm like, 
you screw those up, I really just, I don't, I don't feel like having the time for you anymore. I've got other things to do. I've got other people around and honestly, it's made me so much happier and I don't get as stressed out about drama and people. Mm -hmm. And it's because drama is one of those energies that is very attractive for some reason for people. And it's very, it's a cycle that you can get caught up in very, very easily and it becomes sort of addictive. And then you, you just like start creating it yourself because you're, you need it to be there. Um, but alternatively, you can be a little bit more chill like me and Brittany <laughs> and Andrea. Sorry, I didn't mean to like throw you out of the bus there. No, yeah. listen, let's be honest. <laughs> of the three of us, I'm definitely like the highest strong <laughs> one who's always like, oh, my God, I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. Like I could definitely take a, a, a page from both your and Brittany's playbook because you both have a fantastic sense of like, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to do this thing. Like Summer being like, I'm just going to bed. I'm just not doing this thing. I'm just saying, hey, it was nice to see you. I'm not going out for those extra drinks. I'm leaving. <laughs> and Brittany being like, you know what? This weekend, I'm just going to wallow in my MeUndies onesie filth. And I'm just going to play the game that I want to play. And I'm not going to like look at my email or do anything. And like I think that that's something that's so hard for not only like younger generations, but our generation is like this idea that we're perpetually connected to our obligations, whether they be family or work or whatever your obligation is to you, significant others, et cetera, et cetera, because of our technology that's always in our pocket or in our hand. And we're constantly looking at it. We feel this weird sense of obligation to be connected to the thing that's pressing on us. Right. And at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter for the most part. Right. Obviously there are certain things in your life that are important and you need to nurture and foster those things. And I don't think you should become a recluse and just like hide from the world. I think that's unhealthy as well. well damn. But like <laughs> there needs to be a balance, a healthy balance of like, I'm in the world, I'm participating, I'm caring and actively being part of the world and my life and my, the people around me. But I also need to say, Hey, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to shut it down. I'm not going to check my notifications. I'm going to decompress and like just be with myself or be with like a loved one or somebody that brings you joy that doesn't force you to like be involved all the time. I think that balance is really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Something a- else. Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go on with your bad self, baby girl. No, I was, I was going to pivot. So you, you finished that thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, all I was going to say is it took me many years to, you know, figure that out because – I mean, I can still, you know, when there's a big project or a deadline or you're waiting for that email, like, you know, you have to hustle when you have to hustle. Like, absolutely. Of course. Um, I think, you know, we hustle 99% of the time. And so it's really important to take that 1% because you can't give the best of yourself to people if you're not like giving the best of yourself to yourself. You know what I mean? It's you got to be able to just like chill and and be because otherwise you're, you know, it's just no one's going to look out for you. I mean, obviously, like as friends, we look out for each other. And that's why I'm always like telling you, Andrea, like, girl, like take a break, like take the week off, like go do what you got to do. Just be with yourself. And then, you know, this time I'm like, who the fuck do I need to beat up? Who's bugging you? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Literally everyone. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, obviously our friends can say what they want, but I think it's up to us to enact the change so that we can have a healthier mental mental state of mind. Because hot damn, in this day and age, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, another, like, 
sort of through line on all of this that I've definitely, I don't know when or where or why or how this has happened, but I have definitely become from a lazy bum, not even in sense of like work. I've always been like a decent worker at my job, but like lazy bum in terms of myself and like what I will do for myself to awake way more of an adult than I ever thought I would be. And it's sort of been a terrifying transition. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it's happened. I'm like <laughs> I'm meal prepping on the weekends <laughs> and I'm make sure my house is clean and I make my bed every morning and I'm doing all these things that I thought were stupid when I was even like five years ago. And so I just think it's sort of interesting. I'm like, is this just because I'm older? I would actually like to take a look at science and like figure out if there's a like a point in people's lives or whether or not that's based on things that have happened to them or if it's based on the just age that happens mm. um, where people start to, to turn to value themselves a little bit more and are willing to take that time for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like even like when I still remember when I just moved to San Francisco, was working at IGN, I would make myself something frozen from Trader Joe's. I would eat like some like fr- basically like formerly frozen pot stickers, heat them up somehow. I forgot mm. how, like fry them or something. Sit down and just play crackdown to like late in the at night, go to sleep, go to work. Like I was not in a good way. And now I'm like, okay, I'm up at like 540 so that I can go work out at 630. I go to work mm-hmm. uh, and then I come home and I have game time scheduled now to play for the show. All like meal prep on the weekend so that I have the food ready for when I'm going to work. Like I have all these things that I also feel way better than I ever have. Yeah. Um, and way more relaxed than I ever have. Like even though right now work is insane mm-hmm. and the game time is insane, I still feel relatively calm. And that might be because I'm working out so much. I don't have the energy to be upset about anything. Do you feel but- like you've had you have the most control in your life now than you've had in a long time? And what I, I mean by that is yeah. like, yeah, you're taking charge and you're doing all the things that make you happy and you're making that a priority. Yeah, I guess I feel like a little more secure in being a person, which hey. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, no, it's, it is. no, it's you no, know, no, I think definitely for me, I think it's a maturity thing. Now, granted, I'm nev- I'll never be at that level. I don't think I'll ever be in, as an adult as you are, Simon, meal prep. And I worship <laughs> you for doing that. But even like a small change I've made recently is I've started yoga for like the past month. Jason and <gasps> I. And it's because you put the bug in our ear, Andrea, I think like a year and a half ago, maybe the beach body yoga. I don't know what it was. We tried that. Didn't work out. But lately, you know, as we've seen our family members getting older and less mobile and we're like, we, you know, we go to the gym three days a week, whatever, but we need to work on our flexibility and stretching and able to like get around and not wake up sore every morning. So we've been doing yoga for 20 minutes every night. And I think obviously that comes with some sort of level of maturity, but also just more life experience of seeing people around you not living the way you want to live when you're their age. I don't know if that has anything to do with Steimer's meal prep or working out or whatnot, but I know that's the correlation for me. It's like, yeah, no, that's, that and that's kind of what I was hitting at with like, I don't know if it's, if it's due to life experiences. So if you maybe had a lot of people die, even when you were younger, you might be maybe more inclined to mature a little faster and like start taking care of yourself more. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if those are experiences you have way later in life, you are slower to do those things. I, I think it would actually be kind of, Interesting slash it probably has been done and it exists and someone will tell me about it <laughs> once yep. the show goes up. Life, man. <laughs> yep. Oh, I feel like motivated and invigorated and I'm excited that you can do yoga with me when you come visit next time. Brit. Oh girl, you should see my stiff ass downward dog. It's great. 
Yeah, yeah. good for you. <laughs> get those heels to the floor. <laughs> and that's the thing, though, Brittany. Like, you say you'll never be at my level. First of all, you're younger than me. And second of that's all, true. it took me – it was not – this was not an overnight thing. It was very much like that, where it's like, okay, like, a few years – like, I don't know, five years ago, I started training. Mm-hmm. But, like, only two days a week. And so, like – and then very slowly, it was like, okay, well – Maybe I'll start paying attention to my skin now. Okay, now that's that's another thing that I do. Then if you like, uh, you just kind of slowly yeah. add over the years. Like this is another way I take care of myself, and then eventually you just level up at some point and become an adult. I think I it's love because that. when you're young, when you're like in your late teens and into your early twenties, and even into your late twenties, and maybe even your early thirties is when it starts. Is that I feel like after you cross thirty is when you start to see your body literally start to age before your eyes. Yeah. Right. Like you feel it, you see it. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm no longer immortal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no longer able to like stay out to all hours of the night and to like drink lots of alcohol or to eat garbage food and to not drink enough water and to not get enough sleep or put vitamins into my body and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that you start to go, Hey, you know what? Like I should probably be taking care of myself because mm, it's finite. Life is finite. Your body is finite. Your mind is finite, you know? And it's like the gift of being alive is something is to not be understated. It was weird how I had this kind of crazy deep epiphany uh-huh. when I was listening to Pitbull. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Oh, I gotta hear this. <laughs> Like it was it was weird. I was I think it was I was I was in the process of moving. I was cleaning something. And I like was really tired and I was just like taking a break, but I had this like playlist on in the background and it was, uh, the song he did with Neo. Um, it's like a tonight, uh, nah, nah, you tonight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Give, give me everything tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Give me everything. Yeah. You know that song? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a line that he says that's like, every day you're not in the grave is a good day. And he started it off with saying, like, I've been through some tough shit in my life, blah, 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 blah. And he's like doing his rap. And then he's like, every day that, oh, no, he said, every day you're above ground is a good day. Yes. Ah. And like the idea of like, you're alive, you're breathing air. Yep. It's a good day today because you're alive. And that for some reason, I don't know if it's because I was like exhausted or what. I was like thinking of these things. It just like hit me in the face, the philosophy of it all. <laughs> I was being like, shit, Pitbull, that's like deep. Yep. Now during your TED talk, it can be called now the epiphany. Dance. Yeah. <laughs> the epiphany I had while listening to Pitbull. <laughs> Pitbull's epiphanies. Uh, Pitbull's deep, y'all. Apparently, shit, I need to listen to more Pitbull in my life. Oh my God. But yeah, I think that's the takeaway. And and thank you. Do you have a? It was this was voted on. Everybody yeah. at Patreon voted on. This is a really fun topic. Mm-hmm. And I was a little daunted when it when Brittany was like, "Oh, this is the topic." I was like, "Oh man, I feel like way underqualified to give a TED talk." But this has been a really fun conversation, and I love that you girls inspire me to be a better person and to want more in life. And I think that's what Ted talks are all about, right? They're all about Mm -hmm. like educating you on something that you didn't know about or really teaching you to give back to your fellow man or to improve yourself so that you can be a better person. So Jerrica Hannah recommended this topic. Oh, thank you, Jerrica. It was was a good one. (sighs) I feel like on that note, 
we should all go to bed and get more sleep. There we go. We're old bitches. Um, Thank you so much to everybody for participating in our Patreon polls. Yet another amazing benefit of being part of our Patreon community. Uh, Like I said, we could not do it without you guys. We love you. We hope you enjoyed the show this week and we will be back forever to come. That was not what I meant to say. What? You just have to. Forever to come. Forever yeah, to come. We will sure. be back forever we'll to come. I like forever it. Forever to come. I, like I don't it. know. Those words don't work We together. don't know when that is. Not even but... a real sentence. <laughs> this is where normally I'd be like, let's edit that out, but whatever. But Who no, cares? That's, no. that's what life is sometimes. Yeah. A series of happy mistakes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Alright, you guys. Have a fantastic weekend. Play lots of video games. We'll see you next week. Bye.